0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Spidey Dude Experience here on the Spidey Dude Radio Network. It's a special edition. It is May and it's a big month. The month of May is always big around here when it comes to Spider-Man. And of course, it is the 20th anniversary of the first Spider-Man film. And guess what? This edition, it's just me and a very familiar face. Well, not a familiar face, but definitely a familiar voice if you've been around the Spidey Dude Radio Network any length of time. Gerard Delatour. Hello, Gerard.
1: Hey, I, I, is this my first appearance on the Spidey Dude experience? I guess it is.
0: Technically, it is. Yes, yes.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, it is his first appearance, and we thank you. Welcome. Welcome to the show, buddy. And before we get started, though, I do have to acknowledge and thank our patrons at patreon.com slash Spidey Dude Network. We got Vinkman, Scott, Greg, Jurgen, Phoenician, Georgia, and Kale. Thank you guys for your support here on the Spidey Dude Radio Network. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Spidey Network if you want to support the site. You get shows early and in this case, if you are listening to this, this has been released the audio edition. Uh, if you want to see the video edition, that is Patreon exclusive. So it's just me and uh, a Spidey head because George's webcam couldn't work so you know (laughs) but go check out the video version because it may be a little different than the audio version you may hear some some extra things here in the video edition that you didn't hear in the audio edition so check it out patreon.com slash network. thanks again for for those that are watching on patreon and we will get started okay so this is a commentary that we're doing right Gerard absolutely so we are going to um, give some background on how did we get here, and Gerard actually did some research here. How did we get here, Gerard?
1: Oh, dear Lord. So our story begins in the mid-80s, as, as most good stories usually do. <laughs> as the
0: radio network, because I was born.
1: <laughs> as was I. I was born a year before all this this kerfuffle started. So in I guess in 85, I guess Corman, Roger Corman had a brief uh, option on Spider-Man. And, but in 1985, uh, Canon licensed the character to put into films. Now, if anybody doesn't know who Canon films are, they were like a, an independent in the 80s that did a lot of like, uh, action movies. A lot of, a lot of Chuck Norris stuff came out through Canon. But this is around the time they were trying to make bigger movies like uh, Superman 4, uh, Masters of the Universe. These movies will come into play later, but basically they uh, licensed Spider-Man directly from Marvel. And in 86, they released a teaser trailer where they announced Joe Zito was going to be the director. Within this unsuspecting city, history's greatest experiment creates tomorrow's greatest superhero, Spider-Man, the movie. A live-action spectacular directed by Joe Zito, based on the characters created by Stan Lee. Um, (laughs) yeah. That's a weird choice. because uh, he had done uh Friday thirteenth, the final chapter, I believe. Which one was that one? Like the fourth, fifth one? I don't remember. And then he had done a couple of uh, Chuck Norris movies for Canon. So they hired him to be the director, they released a teaser. I believe Scott Leva is the guy in the suit. Correct me if I'm wrong, he had done like a lot of the photo covers, he'd been doing the
0: WHO he was their stand-in Spider-Man. And yeah.
1: Public appearances and stuff, right?
0: Yeah, he did a lot of public appearances. I think he was in the wedding. I think he was the Spider-Man in the wedding, and I also know that he was on the infamous Hollow Disk covers from clone, from the Clone Saga, uh, issues twenty five, one twenty five of Web and two twenty five of uh, Spectacular, uh, episode twelve of CSC. If you want to hear more on that, starring me
1: and Gerard. <laughs> plugs, on- plugs, plugs. Uh, so anyway, so, you know, they're producing it. They're writing through various scripts. Uh, there's a whole fiasco with whether or not they even knew what Spider-Man was, because I think their original drafts, he was like an actual human that mutated into a spider. <laughs> it's weird. It's hard to explain. But He
0: uh, hated it infamously. Yeah.
1: Uh, and in 87 is where this all starts to turn uh, sideways, because in 87... C- canon released superman 4 the quest for peace and masters of the universe and they're both like infamous flops yeah <laughs> like it cost them tons of money basically any uh pretense they had of becoming major studios died in 1987 so they got into some trouble uh a french company called pathe buys out canon uh the two guys who own canon were uh monachem golan and uh joran globus i believe Uh, uh, Globus sticks with Pathé and whatever remains of canon. uh, Golan goes on to join 21st Century Film Corporation. And then eventually, shortly after, Pathé and MGM merge together. This is all all really important stuff, so I hope you're paying attention. So, uh, 21st Century pre-sells the uh, TV rights to Viacom and the film rights to, or the video rights to Columbia Pictures. And at some point in, like, the early 90s, after a few starts and stops, James Cameron starts working on a version that was going to be produced by Carolco Pictures, who had just released, I think, Terminator 2 at this point. So they're riding high. And then the lawsuits begin. Now, this is the fun part. So I hope, I hope you're all strapped in. Yes. So- so, James Cameron's contract says he has the rights to determine who gets production credits and stuff like that. Menachem Golan's contract says that he has the rights to, to be listed as a producer. So, Golan sues Cameron. Then, Carolco sues Viacom and Columbia, who own the rights, technically. Carol Coe is was like a production company. They were going to distribute through Columbia and all that. Uh-huh. And then the studios counter sue and then 20th century fox says that they have cameron under contract which they did because he was producing true lies at the time right and, and so they get involved in the lawsuit then in 96 carol co 21st century and marvel all go out of go bankrupt <laughs> <I'm> just... <laughs> during this lawsuit so then mgm acquires 21st century out of like bankruptcy court or whatever So then then MGM sues Viacom and Marvel and says that the original canon deal was fraudulent so that no one owns the rights to Spider-Man, I guess. (laughs) So then Marvel merges with Toy Biz. They get out of bankruptcy. This is like 98 at this point. Yes. And they license Spider-Man to Columbia Pictures in 99. Mm -hmm. But MGM says they already have the rights because they merged with the Thay, who bought canon and they also bought 21st century so we have the rights to spider-man question mark so then columbia decides hey we've seen never say never again you know what movie that is it's the like the unlicensed kind of james bond movie from the mid 80s Released the same year as Octopussy had Sean, uh, Sean Connery. As, as. They said, we're going to pull a Never Say Never Again and release our own James Bond movie to compete with MGM. So MGM says, oh, God, please don't. So they reached they reach a compromise. MGM says, all right, we'll we'll surrender any claim we have to the rights of Spider-Man, and in exchange, Columbia will surrender any rights they they claim to have about James Bond. And that settles that Columbia Pictures owns the rights to Spider-Man, or Sony, who owns Columbia Pictures since nineteen eighty nine, owns the rights to Spider-Man. MGM, Canon, all those guys, they all go away. So by this point, there's no James Cameron, because by this point, you know. Titanic exists. Yeah. Huh. yeah, basically, after he quit
0: I mean, Spider-Man, he he jumped on starting working on his his little passion project Titanic, and it was only the biggest movie of all time for a long.
1: And, time. and then and then his other passion project was occupying his time around here, which is the Avatar, which was then the next biggest movie of all time.
0: Yeah, it's, it's basically, Marvel showed up. Yeah. Shop and then and then because it never got released in China, Avatar is now the biggest. <laughs> <laughs> until inevitably marvel does like a 10-year re-release of endgame and then it just (laughs) it'll be ping-ponging back and forth i think i but i think out of all of them i've seen this one the most because it was on such heavy rotation on like tnt and tbs
1: oh i would imagine so it's easy to forget it's easy to forget now but when this was released it was the biggest movie ever yeah. And it set the record for opening weekend gross by quite a significant margin. It made, what, 114 million its opening weekend domestic?
0: Yes. And, and that was the first time.
1: record wasn't even in triple digits. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Like it was the first time that any movie went above 100 million, yeah. period.
1: And it's and- funny. It's funny now. A Marvel movie opens, anything less than 200 is considered a failure. <laughs>
0: yeah unless you're doing oh it's a pandemic and then you have that as an excuse (laughs) because like black widow i think would have done better had it not been a day and date type thing like honestly
1: Uh, who who knows eternals
0: though i I that is the only mcu movie i've not watched
1: (laughs) i've watched the action figures on the clearance rack (laughs)
0: <laughs> I knew that was going to happen the moment those leaked <laughs> pretty universally it was like those look like crap and they were actually better like when you had them in hand but god they were so bad anyway anyway we're dovetailing
1: yeah yeah, we, we have a movie to watch here
0: yes we have a whole movie to watch alright so here we go uh, so if you are following along deciding to follow along I have it pulled up Um, I'm going to count down from five and then we will hit play at the same time. Five, four, three, two, one.
1: Ah, the Columbia Pictures lady. Every time I see her, I want to, I keep hearing the opening strains of the Ghostbusters theme in my brain. (laughs) It's not even the same Columbia logo. Yeah. Now l- now let me ask you cuz our degrees of being plugged into this when it was being made are probably different. Mm-hmm. When were you first aware this is actually really going to be a thing?
0: I remember the house ad. The oh, house
1: oh yes, the one at the back. It was like the the 99 early yeah. 2000s somewhere. In the-
0: it had uh, Spider-Man and Doctor and, and Ock. It was uh, done by Luke Ross, and then it was made to be look like a newspaper. Um, I'll post it. I'll post an Im- a scan of it in the show notes, so that way you can see what I'm talking about. But yeah, definitely a that that was the first time, and that and I had taught. And the thing was for me, I you know I showed my dad, and my dad's like, "Wait, they're finally doing it." And then he kind of, he didn't go into, like, obviously the detail. He's like, they've been trying to make this this movie for years. Yes. And I remember um, the, uh, God, I remember the No Organic Web Shooters website,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: which everybody was up in arms about, which kind of related to James Cameron a little bit. And, God, the, these opening credits, though, I mean, are so good.
1: Yes. Oh, well, they'll be greatly topped by the second and third movies.
0: Yes. Yes, I agree. The second movie, I think, is better than, the, than even the third. I felt like the third was kind of the mix between the two. Um, yes. But yeah, no i I remember seeing that first image of him like crouched and mm-hmm. freaking out because it was like a semi accurate or very accurate um, depiction of the costume. Right. And Danny Elfman. Uh,
1: yes. I wish, oh, I wish you could do a commentary on the second one right after this, but I have a lot <laughs> to say about Danny Elfman's music. Um, as far as me, yeah, I would have seen that house ad, but I remember a distinct, I, I just remember seeing that and being like, yeah, okay, sure. Because it had been mentioned in, like, Stanley's soapbox back in, like, <laughs> 94 or 95 when they were doing a Spider-Man movie. Right. And obviously that didn't happen. That would have been, like, the Carol Code version or whatever it was.
0: And I remember they're like, oh, Leonardo DiCaprio,
1: fight, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, I think the first time it really sunk in for me that this movie was going to be real was when I sat down in theaters in December of 01 to watch uh, Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. Yes! And, I, and they played the trailer for this before that. Uh, we're not talking about the infamous teaser trailer, obviously. This is post 9-11. So we're talking the actual theatrical trailer. Yeah. And I just remember sitting there and uh, my first thought was that looks terrible (laughs) i didn't like the trailer oh wow and obviously i went and saw this in theaters and i was proven wrong as we will discuss over the next two hours as we uh by the way fade fade into queen's boulevard over here if somebody told you i was just your average ordinary guy not a care in the world
2: somebody lied but let me assure Yeah, you, so. Um, just like any story worth telling, is all about a girl. Uh, that girl.
0: Kirsten Dunst, you know, I remember her from Jumanji. Um, I had never seen Tobey Maguire though in anything beforehand.
1: <laughs> oh, really? Because sure. I had seen uh, I had seen Pleasantville before this, and when when people were talking about hey, Tobey Maguire is going to Spider Man, I thought that was perfect. Like I was like, oh my god, I'm on board. <laughs> like,
0: yeah. I love the fact that they use the voiceover narration, though.
1: It's, it's odd, because this is the only movie that does it.
0: I know. It's, it's, it, that feels like the 90s show and comic books to me, though. I, I, I hate that they don't do that in, like a- after this.
1: Yeah. By the way, I want to briefly mention for any of you uh, uh, video files out here, this is the only uh, Spider-Man movie that's in 1.85 to 1 aspect ratio. Mm-hmm. Which, if you have like a widescreen TV or monitor or something, it's pretty much like the fills up the whole screen. Uh, the later ones would be in like film aspect ratio, so they would be letterboxed. Just, just throwing that out there. It's, yeah. it's, it's another weird thing that separates this movie from the other ones. Yeah,
0: and it was also released. Uh, this just tells you how old it is. It was in full screen and widescreen both. Like they had separate editions.
1: Well, this is one of the. Uh, last major movies released on VHS. That's true. I know because I had it, but also at this point, widescreen TVs weren't super common. This is 2002.
0: Yeah, this is all... For for you kids, they were CRT TVs. Go look that up on Wikipedia.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would have still had a CRT TV at this point. I don't think I got a a, a HD until 08, maybe?
0: I mean, they really weren't prevalent until about 06. I mean, they weren't starting to be like super. They were starting to be prevalent in the early 2000s, but like they were super. They were like something you saw at Best Buy and that you bought like and you spent thousands of dollars on that DLP thinking, oh, it's the cutting edge technology. And then it got freaking obsolete in four years.
1: Yeah. Oh.
0: God, the casting of, of the Osbournes, though, like so good.
1: Well, I mean, um, James Franco, who, by the way, is officially cancelled, so we better be careful talking about how we, how we mentioned this guy. Um, yeah. uh, Franco had auditioned for Spider-Man, I believe. Mm-hmm. And he got turned down, but they asked him to re-audition for Harry, and he got it. A... At, the, at the time, he would have been on Freaks and Geeks, right? He was on television.
0: Yes, yeah, he was coming off of Freaks and Geeks. I think it got cancelled. I think it was 2000.
1: Yeah, it was this movie started shooting in January of two thousand one. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like he either would have been right at the end of that show's run, or it had just been canceled. I, I don't have the. It doesn't quite line up in my brain correctly. Yeah. By, by the way, for anybody who's ever been to New York City, the exterior of that of that school there—that was Columbia University. Ah. It's it's worth mentioning because ESU it's it it's supposed to be ESU, as we see in later films and later. I, I don't think it appears again in this one. I don't remember. But oh, yeah. um, it, as part of their weird contractual agreement, they never mention that it's Columbia. They, they just treat it as a fictional school. Yeah, There's a quick nod to it in his apartment. I think there's a Columbia sticker on like his refrigerator or something. I'll point it out. I love that
0: Flash eventually becomes Deathstroke.
1: <laughs> yeah, this would have been before Joe Manganiello was anything. He he later went on when he did like True Blood and stuff, he kind of became a a name. Yeah, He became a sex
0: symbol. He he was always like the sexy guy that showed up because he had abs. He was tall.
1: Now one thing I got to bring up um, while we're watching this is that how old were you in May of 2002? Oh
0: God, May of 2002. Let's see. 87. I was probably, I was 14, I was going to turn 15 at the end of 2002.
1: Okay, so you were early to mid-high school.
0: I was definitely the age of Peter Parker when this came out.
1: Well, I was going to bring that up, I was exactly this age when this movie came out. I was a senior in high school and going to college, so these movies line up perfectly with like my age, that's one of the reasons why I've always been so closely attached to them. <laughs> This, yeah. move, this movie even has the transition of him as going from a high schooler to being a college student. That was something I was doing at the time, so it would have been very forefront of my brain. Yeah.
0: And, like, the the, the fashion, obviously, is early 2000s fashion, which is now apparently back in style, so...
1: <laughs> well, early 2000s uh, movie version fashion, where no one has any logos on anything. <laughs> you don't want to pay clearance rights. That's why all background extras always just have like plain t shirts and yeah. <laughs> jackets with no logos on it. It's always, it's odd to see that in movies because it's nothing like reality. All right.
0: I, I love, I love uh, just how Harry uses Peter's factoids. <laughs> Ooh, MJ.
1: It really gives you a good insight to like what Harry's about in this movie. Yes. And we see that play out in subsequent films too. Now this whole thing with the the spiders being genetic experiments rather than radiation experiments this was taken straight out of Ultimate Spider-Man. Yes,
0: yes, very much so. Um, and, then,
1: and then it was it was wholesale copied and spectacular in the cartoon, which is one of the reasons I hate that one episode. That
0: it was the uh, penultimate episode. Uh, you hated both the penultimate episodes on uh, each season of Spec. Yeah. For different reasons.
1: But, I mean, the, the second, the penultimate episode of season one, I mean, it recreates this almost shot for shot. Yeah. The shot of, except that they replaced uh, Mary Jane with Gwen Stacy. I mean, straight up just leaning in, hey, there's only 14 spiders, you know, that whole thing. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm watching this now. It's getting super nostalgic for the first time I sat in the theaters and watched this. Uh, did you go opening weekend? oh absolutely see i didn't i had to wait a couple of weeks and that only increased my my fervor to go see it because it was like uh it was building up hype because everybody was coming back for the weekend talked about how awesome it was and stuff yeah and, and it was odd because i was the biggest spider-man fan like probably in the whole school and i was the only one who hadn't seen it <laughs> <laughs> right but when i finally did sit down it was me and then my Uh, two sisters, my mom and my dad, and I just I'll bring it up a few times, but they're my mom and dad, especially, were a good gauge for how the average person reacted to this because it's easy to forget you and I have known Spider Man our whole lives. Yeah, most of the people in the theater didn't even know that Peter Parker is Spider Man's secret identity, you know what I mean?
0: (laughs) Yeah, like for me, you know, you've been reading longer than this, but I've been almost it was almost a decade at this point. Oh,
1: I, I, I've been reading about a decade's worth of comics by this point. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I was, you know, 15. So I've been reading for about nine years. At this point, I was already, I wasn't quite on the crawlspace yet. Um, I hadn't joined the message board yet, but the, but SpideyDude.com was around.
1: hmm.
0: Ah, uh, I love, I always loved the freaking goggles that they had him wearing.
1: <laughs> yes. It, look, it, it wouldn't make sense for him to be wearing the goblin helmet here. Right. Cuz that comes from Norman's fascination with masks. So, well, it looks
0: robot that's... master.
1: <laughs> right? I mean, what when... I guess yeah, he would have been robot master long before this in the comics. That's right. we
0: mm-hmm.
1: We're talking about Mendel Strom of course, who's the the assistant with, in the glasses behind Norman here.
0: Yes. And wait, is that uh
1: is that the voice of Goliath in the background of Black? No. Okay, <laughs> <I> was- <laughs> they didn't have Keith David money for this.
0: Like, I was like, they don't, they don't have Keith David mugging in the background, do they? Uh, Keith David, a future guest on Voices from the Area
1: Gargoyles podcast here on the Spidey Radio Network. Oh, don't make promises you can't keep. You gotta keep your fingers crossed.
0: Confirmed. So barring a, barring a last minute cancellation, uh, Greg has got that secured. By the way, Greg says hello to you.
1: By the way, this actor here, the uh, the Oscorp board member, the kind of the guy who's holding his glasses, mm-hmm. he was in. Uh, I I can't even believe this. So I'm going to make this reference. He was in Batman and Robin. That's right. One of the guys bidding on Poison Ivy.
0: That's right. Wow, what a we we inserted a Batman and Robin reference. Uh
1: Cliff Robertson.
0: Cliff Robertson,
1: the president of the United States in uh, Escape from LA. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, he, he was a classic actor Um, he actually has a superhero connection before this believe it or not Do you know what it is no I don't what is it he played the western villain shame on the 1966 batman tv series that's
0: right I remember that you, now that you said that I've actually watched that episode it was on Uh.
1: oh he appeared a few times I think he was a, a frequent guest of the third season
0: yes he was a recurring villain and then yes. Rosemary, is, I mean, just looks straight like a John Romita Sr. Uh,
1: I, 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 yeah. I talk a lot about this with people, but the idea that when characters exist in a canon and then you know they're going to die, I mean, obviously, the general audiences don't know what Uncle Ben's fate is, but we do the second he shows up right. on screen. It's really important in movies like this. you got to cast this role perfectly because he's not going to have a lot of scenes before right. you have to be emotionally connected to his death mm-hmm. and cliff robertson is so good in this role that like i i remember i knew it was coming and i cried in the theater yeah i yeah. i cry every time i watch it i might get a little uh i might have to mute for a second while we're watching this
0: it's fine just let it out we, we did that on clone saga chronicles it's fine
1: uh sickly cgi uh body there for peter <laughs> whoops
0: uh yeah yeah uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I didn't learn this until recently. Oh. Uh, I had seen a... Uh, Red Letter Media did an episode about Darkman, which is a previous Sam Raimi uh, superhero kind of film. Uh, there's a couple of shots in, in this nightmare sequence that he's about to have. They're actually taken from Darkman. Really? <laughs> Apparently the story goes that... Um, th- this This sounds completely insane to anyone listening in modern times, but... Uh, it's this shot right here of these synapses. Uh, this will sound insane to anyone listening to this who wasn't around at this point, but this movie ran out of budget <laughs> like <laughs> they wouldn't give, they had a limit and they would, and they kept them to it, so it, they realized they needed a nightmare there and inserted a couple shots with dark bits to finish it.
0: Missed opportunity to make that, uh, like the number 14. <laughs>
1: By the way, this is a minor thing, but I've always hated that they have gray lab coats. It doesn't <laughs> No, especially in a dark scene like this, it makes them blend in a little too much. If they were wearing stark white coats, it would stand out more, but Yeah,
0: yeah I agree. That's, I a agree.
1: That's a visual quibble.
0: God, he's so jacked though.
1: Well, I mean, he's an old man, Jack. How old would Nor uh, he's
0: he-, he was in his 40s.
1: He might have even been in his 50s at this point. I don't remember.
0: He's in his, I know he's in his either 60s or 70, he may be, oh God, how old is, I can, I can pull it up on a new tab. Hang on,
1: Cause I mean, he, he looks good for his age now, but he's at least in his late 60s, early 70s. Of
0: course he looked old, you know, in his, in his thirties. Tw- so. so
1: yeah, that's true. So he really hasn't aged much. <laughs> it's like the Patrick Stewart syndrome.
0: Okay. Born July 22nd of 19 or 1955. He is 66. So he was twenty, or he was forty-six when this was being filmed.
1: Yeah. Huh. So, by the way, I remember um, we all did this when we were comic reading fans, where we we're having our our dream casting for all these roles. <clears throat> yeah. I always thought Willem Dafoe would be the Green Goblin, but I imagined him almost with a rubber mask or paint or something, without like. Because he just sort of looks goblin-y? I hate to say that. <laughs> I'm right. sorry, Willem, for you not listening to this. But Like, I look at this set right now, and this is 2000. This set looks cheap. You know what I mean? Like, we're so used to so much bigger and better now in superhero movies. Half, it... of, the, half of this set would be blue screened, and there'd be all sorts of crazy machinery that doesn't exist in the back that they cgi it in and stuff. 100%.
0: This,
1: this, is like, this is almost like a as he's this was me uh, last night after uh, taking a few uh, 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 pain medications. Uh, the, like it's hard to think that at this point people didn't trust comic book movies.
0: Yeah, because I mean, really, I mean, you got to think the Batman films that came out, the Superman films that came out, uh, for Marvel,
1: we're, we're below- one, we're one movie deep into the X Men franchise. Yeah, yeah, which I mean was, it's crazy. Which was solid, but it wasn't a huge blockbuster or anything. You know, I, it
0: it did good. I I think it, it quelled fears from Sony.
1: I I always laugh at that shot of him jumping on there. And doing <laughs> oh,
0: like when he jumped, like yeah, when he's like,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's just that's a good that's a good comedy right
0: there. Intentional right. uh, hilarity. Yeah. He just was chewing the scene, though. That that's the best part about that scene. By
1: the way, those have to be Ted Raimi's glasses, right? Yeah. <laughs> they have to be. It, it. He even looked like it when he held them up to his eyes there for a second. That's true. And by the way, Mad gains, bro. Toby <laughs> <laughs> Maguire was known for being a kind of skinny kid. He, he got, let's just say he may have gotten on some chemical substances to get in shape for this film really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yes, I, at this point in the movie, it's it's almost like um, oh god, it, it has a kind of Power Rangers vibe to it. Like it's it's yes. it's cheesy. We haven't gotten to the action yet, but it's like cheesy, but in a familiar kind of way that you're okay with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the way, Albert Einstein photo in the back there. Not the same one from Ultimate Spider-Man, but I imagine that was the inspiration for having
0: it. It's crazy how much it, like for people that sit there and talk crap about, you know, ASM2 optimizing the mythos or ASM, not ASM2, but ASM. Like there was a lot of ultimate influence in the in the Raimi films.
1: Oh, absolutely. Those sausages look delicious. Oh, I know, <laughs> Michaelangelo.
2: Like,
1: like right here, that that was like the what second to last interaction he has with Uncle Ben. That's the last time they leave. On, they speak on good terms.
0: It, it tells you everything you need. Like it, the subtlety in in the in the script, yeah.
1: you get their relationship just perfectly.
0: You get. MJ's turmoil here with his or with her father the, the juxtap- juxtaposition of the caring loving family and then the girl next door not so much
1: and again that's the only time in the film you see your father yeah, yeah. you hear I think, I think you see him yelling through a window in, a, in the later uh, take out the garbage scene but yeah yeah otherwise you know you don't get much of her dad either but that's the point when you, when you write and cast these roles look it's my car in high school. with with the uh, with uh, the classic uh, red, white, and blue New York license plates that don't exist anymore.
0: Oh, uh, uh, <laughs> mine was never a convertible. What they were what they were driving is a two thousand one Mustang, right? Black convertible. That's what Flash was writing. And now Peter is uh, running down again, but this time he's
1: Ooh, what happened here?
0: His hand stuck.
1: I mean, to be fair, he's a he, he's single, and and you can see Mary Jane into her bedroom from across his uh his across the alley. There, he's probably had sticky hands a few times in his life.
0: Ah, it's the Osborne Mansion.
1: Uh, by the way, that that exterior of what his mansion is, um, that's actually a real place in New York. A lot of people don't know that. It's like a, it's like a luxury condo apartments. Mm-hmm. I mean, the interior here is shot somewhere probably in L.A. or on a sound stage or something. It's Correct. not it's not what it looks like on the inside. It's separate apartments, but the movie plays it as if that's his mansion. I don't remember. This uh, This guy here, who's the butler, do you know who that is? No. That's Bill Paxton's father. Wow.
0: Really? Yeah. Is he the same one at the in, in Spider-Man 3?
1: Yeah, same guy. Okay, he's in all three movies. It's just it's weird because he's just always in the background. You never quite notice him. The only time he really gets a lot of lines is that one scene Spider-Man three where he makes a of first
0: appearance of the bugle
1: and the, with the truck. Mm-hmm.
0: Now this scene I, I heard took t- 87 times. This was not CGI. MJ is walking. She slips. Yeah, catches her and then he catches everything on the on the tray.
1: It's such a simple little uh, thing, but like nowadays, the, all of those items of uh, and, and probably the tray itself would all be CGI. They do like two takes.
2: Yeah,
1: I mean, one of the reasons they hired Sam Raimi for this is because he he was known for doing all this like crazy stuff on screen. As much of it, like, yeah, oh god, it, like there's CGI in this film. We'll make fun of it. There's some real bad CGI in this because like. But-
0: is probably some of the best CGI of the film and that's why we haven't made, we haven't pointed it out
1: yeah, yeah, there's some bad stuff coming up too but they use it much more sparingly than you would imagine like going back and looking at this, so many shots of Spider-Man jumping and climbing and swinging and are, are practical yeah, this
0: web is
1: <laughs> yeah, but that's like that's like fiberglass, that's real, that's a, that's a prop yeah.
0: it's, all, it's all fiberglass silly string type yeah I mean, Flash doesn't have a big giant target. I
1: mean, I'll say this, though. These kids are getting a much better uh, lunch selection than I think you actually get in New York City public. <laughs> City.
0: <laughs> Unless you go to my wife's district, but that's because they got stupid money. Like, stupid money. You, I will tell you, like, they get Boudin on Wednesdays.
1: What? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, here we go. Here's some here's some CG shots that, well, yeah, there, they, they, are. they look they look like early 2000s CGI. I mean, they do.
0: Oh, that spitball, though, man. Like
1: now, I gotta mention this. Sam, <laughs> Only, Sam Raimi produced uh, Hercules: Legendary Journeys and Xena: Warrior Princess. Mm-hmm. And you're probably wondering why I'm bringing that up right now because there's a Xena shot in this fight. Really. We'll wait for it, I'll tell you. <laughs> that's all. That's a lot of uh, wrist stuff there,
0: Flash. A lot of bl- wrist bling. Yeah.
1: There it is, it's the Xena backflip.
0: Ah, yeah. Yeah, that's true.
1: <laughs> it's, true. it's
0: been a long, long time since I've seen Xena.
1: <laughs> it's been a long time since anyone it seems, you know.
0: And the thing is, is that's not like, that's not stunt actors either that's doing the swinging and punching. You yeah. know what I mean?
1: I mean, the backflip was a stunt, man, and I think their initial, like, pullback on Flash was a stunt, man, but they played it yeah. well. Yeah, and yeah, that was him getting all the stuff dumped on him. Yeah, uh, when, when Toby Maguire... It taps out and you see the stunt man come in. They mm-hmm. have they have noticeably different builds. Like the stunt men for Spider-Man are a little too beefy.
0: <laughs> That's true.
1: They're, they're they're huge, like you'll you'll almost always see them. See, like this is a good example of like just old-timey practical stuff. Yes. When you start climbing this wall here. It's just a sideways set like there's nothing special to it you know he's he's
0: just doing army crawling basically on the set yeah of course the little hairs on his hand on his you know that was heavily put in the trailer
1: Mm -hmm. well that was probably one of the early like hey we have cool effects because CGI. yeah Yeah. he's just he's just climbing on the sideways center Nothing special, just make it look better by moving the camera around a little bit, do some crazy stuff, and that's it.
0: You know, very obtuse angling too.
1: Yeah. And that's that a lot of that's to hide anything that might look a little shaky. Yeah. Or you know, like little things, like I, you know, I didn't even notice it in that shot, but like the way your clothes hang will be different depending on the orientation. So the choice of what shirt he's wearing, all that stuff factors in. That's the kind of thought you have to put into this ahead of time.
0: And I'll say this about Holland. He does a lot of like his own flips and stuff like that because of his train training with gymnastics and ballet and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is not to just, you know, say, Oh, Holland, you know, only does thing. He, I mean, they do, do, do practical stuff with him, yeah. but much there's elements where he's the old, like very, it's very sparse.
1: Well, the other problem is like in the um, Holland films, they have a practical suit they have them wearing on set, but then they just CGI over it anyway. Right. Well, so, uh, one of my major criticisms of of, of Homecoming and, and which persists in the other films, which I still haven't seen at this point, but I saw him in Avengers and stuff like that, is that right. his, he looks fake in every shot he's in. Yeah, like Spider Man looks like a cartoon character in those movies because of the way they do the, the stuff. And you can argue about the validity of the suit in this film, mm-hmm. but yeah. We'll get to
0: those me, debates. To me, I mean, this this and the, and and the, and there's very subtle differences between two. They're essentially the same suit. The Spider-Man, the spider's a little different. Yeah. yeah. The web pattern's a little different in, in two, but it and the ASM2 suit are are the two best suits.
1: Uh, the ASM2 one doesn't quite hold up because of the, how weird and irregular the webs are. But whatever. <laughs> <laughs> we 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 should be remiss if we don't point out. Uh, you you and I engaged in those debates back mm-hmm. when this movie came out organic web versus mechanical shooters right um, the I guess the organic webs would have origin a lot of this stuff in this movie originated as I I mentioned the long protracted rights thing about the movies yes who own the rights scripts are being written this whole time a lot of these elements like came in in those early scripts and they just stayed somehow. Yeah, I mean, so if you I that... the script is credited to David Kep but I don't, like, he didn't come up with the organic web, but that was from, like, the 80s scripts.
0: Oh, and that definitely was in the scriptment that uh, uh, circulated yeah. online that Cameron did, too.
1: Yeah. At various points, um, obviously, Doc Ock was part of this film instead of the Green Goblin. At one point, Doc Ock still would have been in this film while Sony was making it. They decided to take him out Right before uh, shooting started, but they actually designed Doctor Octopus for this movie, and he just didn't make it in.
0: That makes sense, though. I, I like it makes sense I, to me. I, you could have easily, you know, flipped it to where you introduce Norman and have him basically build off the second one. But I think I I think they made the right call. Um, yeah. Trust me, when you see No Way Home, you'll know they made the right call. <laughs> Um I, I'm trying not to give away any spoilers, but
1: Yeah, I know. There's little and I, and I I know I'm the only person on the planet that hasn't seen the movie, so anybody who's listening to this, go ahead and make fun. I'm I'm good. <laughs> I mean this... I didn't I didn't even see into the spider verse until like December, so <laughs> uh,
0: Yeah, and then it got delayed.
1: Yeah, the second <laughs> film just got delayed uh yesterday as of recording, but
0: yeah. Two weeks ago, I guess, um, from when this is being released. This scene, I think, was also their screen test together.
1: I believe so, yes. Um, it should be worth noting that Kirsten Dunst was cast very last second. They, they hired Toby Maguire, and then I think he actually had to fly to Germany where she was shooting something or doing a play or something like that, and then they did the screen test together. And they hired her. And that was, I think, within a, a month or two of when the shooting was going to start. Uh,
0: and, you know, it's not a movie if you're not eating snacks. And for the v- video listeners, you're seeing me uh, eat uh, Sour Punch, Strawberry Straws.
1: Oh, which, I wish I had you, some right now.
0: Devouring the big packs that I used to get at Hastings.
1: <sighs> yeah, no, I've, I've always loved Sour Punch Straws. Those are, those are great. I they, It's harder to find than you would think, though.
0: They are like the pretty much the only place I can find the big packs now is uh Walgreens and that's it. Yeah. Like, and occasionally some movie theaters like the uh, synergy um, arcade movie theater thing in Amarillo,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, they have them, the big packs, but, but that's it. Like most places have the little tiny packs. Like most convenience stores have the little tiny packs where there's only like two ounces, and, you know, they're just, yeah. So I had to, yeah. yeah this i remember the search for mj and i okay it's very clearly a mixture of mj's characterization and gwen's
1: to an extent to an extent
0: i think they take the best elements of gwen and put it in mj does that make sense because i I, I don't i
1: don't especially agree with that Um, especially in this time period where the spider marriage would have been around in the comics for 15 years, this was consistent to what Mary Jane was like. That's true. But it's important to note Mary Jane post-marriage and Mary Jane pre-marriage were two different characters. That's very true. So I, I think this is consistent to Mary Jane, but it's not consistent to the comics Mary Jane. Yeah, no, these car prices are hilarious now. <laughs> <laughs> 29000 for a Jaguar. Uh-huh. Yeah, you you can't even get a, like a Honda Civic for less than 20k now.
0: Uh and here it comes. We're going to make a bunch of
1: Oh, I have I, oh, I have a whole discussion about the wrestling part of this cuz you and I are in the room together. Do so, you know uh, so... Do you know
0: Speaking of cars, do you know what color uh, the car that that flashes on the screen is? Uh
1: no, I don't.
0: That was a uh, the uh, Ford Thunderbird. Um, it was a concept car that hadn't even come out yet.
1: Oh, wow. By the way, this Spider-Man drawing that he's doing, uh, does the artist look familiar to you? Phil Jimenez. Yes, it's Phil Jimenez. And by the way, it's really subtle there. The redness costume is because of Mary Jane's hair. Oh. Not a shocking amount of people don't catch that. That's why that shot of Mary Jane was in there. Oh, okay. See, I taught you something new. This movie's 20 years old as he shoots at product placement, Dr. Pepper. Um, <laughs> I had the action figure of this scene. There was There's a, an action figure of Peter in this outfit. He has a backpack that you can fill with water, and you put it on his back, you squeeze it, and it shoots water out of his wrist.
0: You know who has it? Mutual friendors, still?
1: Uh, well, well, me. I still have it.
0: <laughs> uh, besides you, Javi.
1: Of course.
0: Host of ASM Classics. Uh, I've been to Hobby's house, by the way. Yeah, we I,
1: he does live here in Texas, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, We—I made the, when I was visiting my dad. We went and made the trip to Austin it's like an hour. And me, my dad, and Sarah went and had dinner with Hobby and his um, significant other. They're not married technically, and his and I met his two kids, Jack and him, are now doing ASM Classics here on the on the mm-hmm. So. Episode two will probably will be out hopefully by the time uh, this recording um, of season two uh, by this time this recording comes out. Oh, it's Rosemary. I just she just makes me smile every time.
1: I know, right? Ben is. About it's to, just uh... Ben's about to make the worst decision of his life to walk out that door. There. See, and I love and this is like a minor thing, but you notice there's nothing in there's nothing particularly special about the interaction between uh, Ben and May in that scene. Having experienced a lot of death in my life, I can tell you that the last time you see somebody usually isn't any kind of famous movie goodbye. It's usually something like that, where you just nod on the way out the door. Exactly. By the way, Ben's, this... ben, Ben's car here. <laughs> it's, nah, the, you're... <laughs> it's, 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 it's the special. it's the Oldsmobile '88, that's in every Sam Raimi movie.
0: I'm interested to see if what, what, how, uh, where it's going to be placed in Doctor Strange.
1: And I mean every movie, even, even in uh The Quick and the Dead and Oz the Great and Powerful, believe it or not.
0: Really? I haven't watched Oz <laughs> the Great and Powerful.
1: So the Quick and the Dead, obviously, Western, they disassembled part of it and made the the uh drive shaft into a wagon, I believe. And then <laughs> in the Oz and Great the Great and Powerful, I think they just slapped a wagon over the chassis of the car. Or nice on those lines. So the, it's in those those movies. Although they, it wouldn't be period appropriate to actually see the car. They had to use the guts, but it still counts.
0: It still counts. Like that's that's just amazing.
1: Mm-hmm. I think the villains drive the, this car in Dark Uh, uh mm-hmm. I know. I think it's Kevin Costner's car in For Love of the Game. At one point, like it, it's in yes. all. Of the yeah.
0: Like it's it's a it's a very common.
1: It even uh, it, 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 it travels with Ash Williams. It falls out of the sky in the Army of Darkness.
0: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I had the You're Not Superman You Know clip. I don't know where I put it, though.
1: By the way, last time they ever spoke, and of course they leave on bad terms because Peter said something mean to him. Yep. But trying to impart the defining advice of his life here. By the way, so he's going to this like arena here mm-hmm. from the where the he was trying to go to the new york public library and yes it, it's it's much yeah. attention folks this is the final uh macho man elbow that was ever captured on on screen Believe it or not,
0: right because he never did the, he never dropped the elbow in tna
1: no he only wrestled a couple times in tna yeah. And, then, and then he quit because Hogan was sniffing around backstage, and he's like, "Oh, I'm done with this guy. I'm, this guy keeps following me everywhere." And so, uh, by the way, uh, speaking of Ash Williams, Bruce Campbell, is his first cameo here—he's the announcer. Yes, when it's a uh, wrestling movie here. So this is this is this is straight out of the comics, as far as like uh, Spider-Man testing his powers against a wrestler. In the comics, it's Crusher Hogan. Mm-hmm. Now, when I I was preparing to do this commentary whenever you watch this i'm like you know why wouldn't hulk hogan have been the guy who did this and do you know why it's not hogan
0: why is it not hogan oh no
1: he was still wrestling at this point and you want to know something even better at the time this movie was released he was the wwf heavyweight champion that's right so he had won the belt from triple h a couple weeks before this movie and he dropped it to the undertaker a couple weeks after this that's
0: right. He was By in way, his
1: uh, that blonde there. That was uh, that was Savage's girlfriend at the time. Oh, okay. okay. She has since become a complete kook who now claims that. Uh, <laughs> well, you know the Stephanie McMahon, uh, Macho Man rumor. She claims it's true. Oh. Right? We're not going to discuss it on this commentary. Oh God!
0: Okay. yeah, that would derail this entire thing.
1: My uh, my one of my favorite moments watching a movie in the is My dad, he's sitting there. He doesn't recognize Randy Savage until he grabs the mic there and says Boom! Oh, right? He's like, he, he turns to me, he goes, "Is that Randy Savage?" I go, "Yeah, sure is." <laughs> it's weird because he didn't. Unless you were watching WCW, you just remember a Macho being in like the bright colors and the hat and like, the shades and stuff. He kind of looked like this towards the end of WCW, but
0: yeah, because he was. I mean, obviously, he was in the NWO and things yeah. like that. But yeah, this is
1: far, this is far removed from the Macho Man we all know and love. The Human Spider.
0: God, that's such a great first costume, though.
1: I hate that this is one of the only costumes from the movies that's not in the, uh, the PlayStation game. The PS4 one that got remastered. Yeah, PS4. I agree. The Insomniac one. They, they have the Holland homemade suit, but not this one.
0: Right. God, this, this, one, this one talking at the end... She looks like J <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, good lord!
0: I wonder who is. The, I wonder who that guy was. That looks like um, like the the headgear makes it look like it's uh, uh, hooventude.
1: See, I thought. By the way, okay, we gotta talk about this. So, pro wrestling is fake, right? <laughs> we all know it. We know. We we know what it is at this point. It was like there was no kayfabe in two thousand two. This, yeah, This movie treats it like it's a complete shoot. Like, this is all real. Percent. Not to get his ass handed to him. I don't know what kind of, like, I guess he signed some kind of waiver, <laughs> like that that Octavia Spencer mentioned to him there.
0: You're right. That's like one of Octavia Spencer's earliest roles, too.
1: Right, back when she was just an extra, or just a part-time actress. Thankfully, she hit her career. She, she became big later. Right. But it took a long time. It's one of those...
0: <laughs> the, the, this entire scene is just hilarious.
1: Oh, by the way, uh, Spider-Man, you're canceled in, in the 2020s for anything <laughs> you know, that Bone saw as a homosexual. But anyway, uh, like, so let me see if I understand this right. So, get in the ring for three minutes, you win whatever the money was. I can't even remember how much it was.
0: And what unprotected chair uh, shot to the head, though?
1: <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, this is this is Attitude Era, at spider year. Uh, well, and I would have been over at this point, but still, this is, this is that period of wrestling. It let's you all use weapons and smack the crap out of each other. It's not uh, how
0: the games work, though, guys.
1: By the way, Randy Savage got hurt for realsies, I think, when uh, they did this move where he gets kicked with the cage here. Right there. I think he actually hurt himself. He saw a year in his neck there. Uh, so hold on. The ref slid in under the rope and counted a pin that Spider-Man didn't make. <laughs> like, as a wrestling fan, this greatly offends me. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> like,
0: the, I mean, and he came out and, and like, you know, not even made the count.
1: Yeah, I don't know what that was. was yeah, it, like... was, was it was it a, a knockout victory? Was it a, a the, 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 the,
0: the... Like, he would be like, it's over. And then, like, you know, it knocked him out. Uh, This this is such a great scene because it's very subtle Mm -hmm. in how it's delivered.
1: They add the bit. I missed. I missed the part where that's my problem. Mm -hmm. Became an echo line for for what happens shortly thereafter. Uh, By the way, those are some. Awful frosted tips. If you're gonna rob somebody, you, don't make your hair look that distinctive, okay? <laughs> and even better, wear a ski mask for crying out uh, loud. <laughs>
0: God, yeah, this hair is so bad, though.
1: So of course, stop that guy.
0: So the difference, obviously, is that the the, the cop was chasing after.
1: Now hold on. Oh, oh yeah, that part. yeah. when peter says that back to him i missed the part where that's my problem the audience i watched this movie with cheered <laughs> now no no i'm i'm like the movie wants you to be on peter's side here i think
0: like the smug look of satisfaction that he gets
1: yes it's, it's- only a moment where he's like i'm going to give it back to this guy and that one moment changes his life forever mhm I, a lot of people debate whether or not they should have had him say that or the way the scene played out. I love it the way it is. I prefer this to the comic's origin.
0: It's one of the very few times that a movie actually improved the comic's origin.
1: Because because I feel like it's the hubris is an important element of it that you don't get in the comic.
0: It's implied, but it's never implicitly stated in the original comic. It's more stated later.
1: Well, also, well, also, these events take place, like, weeks apart. In the, covers, yeah. the burglar gets away, and uh, Uncle Ben being shot. It was just... Time passes between them.
0: Yeah. Oh, and just...
1: The way he says Peter there, it just... Oof, oh. gone. And again, we've known this guy... We're only 44 minutes into the movie. He's been in, what, like, three scenes? Yep, I don't think there's a better gut punch in any superhero movie than that one.
0: No, I I, I think absolutely. I, I think there's emotional scenes. I think the scene in Endgame when Tony dies, I think, has a similar effect. But that's because you have well, yeah. two- your films. Yeah, 20- but
1: over you've known that character for over a decade on screen. Right, that?
0: it, it, that's why.
1: I, I mean, single movie, that's got to be. Yeah. It. Yeah, I mean, but... And he's now turned into horrible CGI. <laughs> <laughs> CGI strikes again! See, this looks bad. Um, for a couple <laughs> reasons. One, his his clothes have no texture to it, so it looks... Unfinished. It looks unfinished, and also, they made a poor decision by having his face get that close to the camera, because you can very obviously see it's not a human. Yeah. And this is just ropey. Like, this is bad. This and looks then, like a video game. Yeah, and then they cut to a shot of Toby Maguire standing there when he stands up here. Well, this looks fine, but then he stands up and it's a really dodgy green screen shot right here. Yes, like it it I feel like this is all you can feel that this being slapped together, you know what I mean? Yeah, but it's made up for it when he jumps down here and he doesn't know how to swing. This is this is great stuff, all right. Now, um, would you have played the video game on the PS2 at this point? Yes. So in the video game, there's a whole side thing about him tracking down the burglar. Like, this takes place over a span of time. Right. And it's weird because it almost matches the comics more than this movie does. Mm -hmm. But I've always felt weird about that. I I don't know. Really the, yeah,
0: I'll tell you, the game was okay. Um, I also had a Game Shark too, so like when the game came out, um, I had unlocked everything.
1: <laughs> oh, so. say, uh, I, I played it on PS. I played on PC first, and then I eventually got a PS2 copy, which I may have played at your house at one point uh, when I moved in. Yeah, and yeah, I remember that game is so hard. It wasn't until the second one where you got the kind of open world Spider-Man game formula that was now like the standard. Yeah, absolutely. Haven't quite figured it out. This it's just weird to talk about because like movie games are not a thing anymore.
0: No, no.
1: They sort of died with the early MCU movies that were. They made some Sega made games out of like Captain America, Thor, and I think Incredible Hulk.
0: Yeah, and they were all horrendous.
1: No, I like the Captain America one. That was not bad.
0: The Iron Man ones were bad, though.
1: Oh, the Iron Man ones are terrible, and Thor and the Hulk ones are all bad. So that was pretty much the end of that. There, there became a point where the time it takes to develop a video game exceeded that of the time it takes to make a movie. So it's no longer viable to make a video game based on a movie. No. Although, if you throw on the Raimi suit in the PS4 Spider-Man game, it's a pretty good. Uh, you can really pretend pretty good. Oh, good.
0: Now, I, I am waiting now for the PS5 bundle, inevitable bundle that will come out for the the, the Spider-Man PS5.
1: Yeah. Um, that remaster is excellent, by the way.
0: Yeah. I, I, and I haven't played Miles yet.
1: You should. It's it's great. I I've never liked the character of Miles Morales until I played that game. Really? Now, now, okay. So he lifts the the burglar up here, or the I guess he's not a burglar in this version. He's just a robber, yeah. robber whatever you want to call him. Yeah. I, I'm gonna call him the burglar from now until the end of time. That's what he is. Uh, when he lifts him up here, my mom audibly gasped in the theater. I nice. turned to my dad. Says, it's the
0: same guy. It's the same guy.
1: And I'm thinking at that point. Obviously, as a fan of the comics, I know this is coming a mile away. When 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 I hear people whispering, "Oh my God, it's the same guy!" Like you could hear, you could feel the hush go over the crowd. Yeah, I thought to myself, "Okay, raimi has got him." Like now, everybody's on board. They know why we like the comics. <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: This this is like, and see, because my dad read the comics, he knows the story. His brothers read the comics; they know the story. It's different for me, but like for somebody like you, with whose parents didn't grow up with this medium, mm-hmm. and the, the cop shot that was in every single trailer here. Yep,
1: Spidey sits on top of the Chrysler building, which ended up becoming a visual motif with this series. I think
0: they actually referenced this um,
1: in the uh, PS4 game, yeah.
0: No, they reference this in uh, No Way Home.
1: Oh, really? Okay. Well,
0: uh, there's a oh, scene
1: that's, a, that's in the trailers, I think.
0: Yeah. Well, no, they actually. There's a little subtle thing where uh, they the other Peters show up, and you know Ned and MJ ask, "Where's you know is there a place that he likes to go?" And then uh, Toby looks over and says, "Me for me, it was the Chrysler Building." Mm. There's a lot of that in uh, No Way Home.
1: By the way, uh, so obviously the Chrysler building is in the Spider-Man PS4 game, and he actually takes Miles there to train him at the end. Mm -hmm. That kind of end of credits thing. Right. Uh, They lost the rights to the the likeness of the film, so it's not in the Miles Morales game. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. The the building's ownership changed, so they they and the, the new the new owners don't want to license it. They were able to get it into the remaster because that was the same contract, but they, it's not in the Miles Morales game. That sucks. Yes, it is because that's specifically explicitly where he's like, go here to train.
0: Some the, the crazy thing is, is they they do have like an exoskeleton that's similar to this.
1: Oh, now we gotta talk about this. Um, the we we know about the prototype kind of animatronic goblin mask that we've seen the video of that people go crazy over. Um, what is your thoughts on that? Cause I, I, I always look at that and say that would not have worked on screen.
0: I don't, it looks more accurate, but with the, if, if you do, if, if you took that mask and did it today with the green goblin, with the cgi yes it would work
1: that was exactly my thought I, it wouldn't have worked in 2002 no now no. nowadays where you could throw some tracking dots on it and cgi the expressions it would work now absolutely but i feel like now if you do the green goblin on screen you're always going to be compared to this so it's going to be a long time before we get a, <laughs> a,
0: <laughs> and then you have no way home yep. which A lot of I'll just say this. I'm not going to get into the details. A lot of the issues I have with this costume get fixed with No Way Home.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I've I've been spoiled for that movie to hell and back. I've seen the changes. Um, Um, By the way, since you had played the video game, that means you've seen the Alex Ross uh, designed versions of the Green Goblin Spider-Man that weren't used in this film. Yes. Because those are unlockables in the video game, and the Green Goblin had a uh, mask that's kind of a hybrid of the comics and like an armored look that's in this film. It's hard to describe. Mm-hmm. It sort of is like what he ended up looking like in the Jenkins era, very much so. And yeah, that, really- the kind of tattered, the kind of tattered hood that he has is what I, I mean. That's part of what they add to Norman in No Way Home.
0: Yes, very much so. I mean, the the, little, the, the purple elements from the, the hoodie um, are great.
1: Yeah, that's one complaint I do have about the Green Goblin in this movie. There's no purple. There's, yeah. there's subtle bits of purple gleaning off of his suit, but I think those are coincidental lighting issues. Right. As somebody who's lost both of my parents, this is a conversation I've actually had a lot in my life. Just moments where I'm like, I wish they could have been there. You know? Like, when I
0: do this conversation,
1: like when I do eventually marry, it's going to be always be in the back of my mind that my parents will never see it.
0: You know, that's something that Sarah had a real
1: hard time with. Yeah. We actually got
0: married. Um, That's why it was really important to her, for her to, for her grandfather to walk her down the aisle. But, For my dad to walk her down the aisle too,
2: mm.
0: because my dad kind of has been the surrogate dad that she lost yeah. in a lot of ways as her father-in-law, and she yeah. gave it back to him because he had accepted that that was something he was never going to like. And he she she asked this on Father's Day mm. the year before in a letter. At the end of the letter, she's like, Would you do me the honor of walking, whenever I do marry your son, of walking with my grandfather down the aisle? And it, oh, it broke us both. Like, my dad is not a guy that, you've been around my dad. He's not, like, the type to cry or show emotion. Yeah. Oh, it broke him.
1: By the Mm -hmm. way, I gotta, sorry to interrupt that because we are doing a commentary on a film here. Uh, How did, how did, uh, Peter build this costume? <laughs> that is the
0: age-old question.
1: Because, <laughs> I mean, at this point, there is lots of time passing between yeah. his graduation and what we see him kind of next.
0: Yeah, it, it's, so, it's a bunch of jump, jump cuts.
1: Yeah. Speaking and, of Zena. Yeah, gonna say Zena's going to show up shortly in this montage here. Yeah. Like these shots are just iconic from like the trailers and things. Yeah, this is very much the uh, montage from the original Superman film. Very much so. And uh, by, the, by the way, there's comedian Jim Norton. <laughs> he stinks, and I don't like him. <laughs> it's weird seeing him in this movie if you know what his brand of comedy is like, because it's very much there. Is there's there is Zena alright
0: Legs kind of hot
1: I always look at this guy here with the guitar and think this is like a naked cowboy cameo that never happened (laughs) by by, by, by the way very subtle if you saw that pull out shot of spider-man's eye you could still see the world trade center reflected in his lens
0: yeah that was actually I mean that was in the trailer too
1: Mm mm-hmm Uh, There he is. (laughs) Jameson's so good that they just had to bring him back because no one else could beat it.
0: Basically. I mean, because you couldn't get Ed Asner. I mean, that's the only... If Ed Asner was in his 40s when this came out, Ed Asner probably would have been the casting. But, But I mean, he basically took Ed Asner's... I mean, him and Ed Asner are who I hear in my brain.
1: And by the way, there's Ted Raimi, in case anyone's wondering.
0: Ted, Ra- uh, Ted,
1: uh, Ted, and, shows up, Ted shows up in pretty much all of Sam Raimi's movies, too. So I'm and, curious if he'll show up in Doctor Strange.
0: And Elizabeth Banks as Betty Brant.
1: And I love this actor here, Bill Nunn, who's playing uh, uh, Joe Robertson. He doesn't do a lot in these movies, but he's really good, especially in Spider-Man 2.
0: Yes, agreed.
1: That, that great moment where Peter walks in and is like, uh, "You know, there was a disturbance at the thing," and he turns and goes, "I heard Spider-Man was there." They just kind of share a look for a second. Yeah, this, this actor has a lot of that, like lots of little looks, lots of things like that. Ah, the Moon Dance Diner. I got a story about this place. So this is this is a real diner in New York, or it was. It was on Sixth uh, Avenue down around like the. It says right there, it's Grand Street 6th Avenue. You can see the sign. Yeah, um, right by kind of where Chinatown is, uh, over a little bit to the uh, west. But so, at some point after the release of this movie, that uh, the the people that owned that diner could no longer afford the real estate. We're going to be forced to shut down the diner. But in a weird move, they sold off the actual building of the diner with the sign and everything. Right. And I guess at some point in the middle of the night, they just loaded it up onto a flatbed truck and drove it out to the Midwest somewhere. So legend has it. I can't confirm or or this. I had never seen it. And it's, it's shaky to get information, but it's a truck stop somewhere in the Midwest now. That diner building. Is it in Iowa? I have no idea. (laughs) One can only assume. Now that you say that in my
0: many travels last year, because I was basically, the last, like, month or two months that I was working in Nebraska, I was coming home every three weeks and driving from Nebraska to Houston, which is allegedly a 14-hour drive. It's more like 18 to 19. <laughs> Zero out of 10 would not recommend, especially in a two-seater convertible. Right. Zero out of 10. Right. Um,
1: Why was you driving two bottles? That way that's what you (laughs) got.
0: That's what I had. Uh, I also packed an air mattress, my computer. I had to stop in Oklahoma City and get the press, uh, a heat press for, like, T-shirts and stuff. Yeah. And and my monitor.
1: (laughs) The monitor did not survive the trip back. Uh, uh, That McDonald's there, I threw up in front of that once. (laughs) <laughs> I think that pan shot that's on Broadway and like 4th Street I know all these locations man I've been all these places yeah
0: so we're, we're what we're seeing is the uh, apartment of Harry and Peter that Peter would not be able to afford
1: <laughs> no you can make Broadway and West 4th like uh, the multi-story like studio apartment this is this would be insane money even in 2002
0: and now it's like a what a BF 40 million dollar apartment,
1: she's baby, just sort of depends. Yeah, I always thought Harry looked weird wearing glasses in this scene. Agreed, he looks almost like uh, like you're doing a story like young Bill Gates, the film, you know. Like. <laughs> but I guess the point is he's doing homework, so the right. problem with Harry is a lot of his stuff is put on, so it very well could just be a thing he put on to look smarter, you know. That's true. Also, it's really subtle, but they add a little tinge of red to both his hair and his father's hair to make them look more similar. Mm -hmm. And it works. They look enough alike. Yeah. That, you know. It happens a lot in movies where you question that kind of thing with the casting, but this is not one of those cases. By the way, there's the Columbia sticker I mentioned earlier. There you go. The only reference in this film.
0: I, I also love how they they pan back to Harry and he just kind of was like, "I'm still the son you never wanted."
1: Yep. And it very much plays to the end of the film where he says, "You know, you're like a son to me, Peter. Let me be a son to me now." You yeah. know. Right. It's an intentional element that I think. always
0: reminded me of the Ben Riley. Seen in Sensational Four during Blood oh, Brother, yeah, very much feels like that 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 scene.
1: <laughs> crap, crap, mega crap. I love all of the antacids sitting on his desk. By the way, <laughs> right? He's got Rolades, got like off-brand Malox. He's got
0: Zantac seventy-five before it before the recall hit. Yeah.
1: Also, should mention the Daily Bugle offices in this uh, movie are in the Flatiron Building. Mm-hmm. It's you'll be shocked at how many people aren't aware that the Flatiron Building is not actually a newspaper. <laughs> I mean, it looks like it should be. Like the lettering and stuff is just CGI'd onto out the outside. Like, right. By the way, okay, I gotta mention this. There's a you see her walking around in the background there. That short-haired actress in like the pantsuit. Who is that supposed to be? Because she's been she's in a couple of scenes in this movie. It's it's <laughs> odd. Like, is she supposed to be somebody from the comics? Because Betty Brandt's there. Grant. Uh, yeah, that would be uh, problematic <laughs> if they cast a white actress. Wait, wait,
0: wait, wait. Um, uh, who was the who was the uh who was the editor that Joy Mercado?
1: Ah, uh, I mean, okay. I wish Josh was here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, Kate Cushing, maybe? Kate Cushing, yes. I the thing. Jordan Kate. Mercado was like a fool. I, I love this. Like, all right, everything's doing great. Uh, business is doing great. Everybody's like, all right, you're fired. What?
0: <laughs> God, this scene, uh, like, in retrospect, like, because, like, we see this scene play out so many times, including in Iron Man 1.
1: It doesn't make logical sense. So I guess what's happening here is that they're selling the company.
0: They're selling it to quest for some reason. This makes no logical sense. Like it be like this is where you bring in a Roxon or as a Stark as a re, as a cameo reference.
1: Yeah. Or well, even it's just and- weird because they even mentioned so the Green Goblin bombs Quest's uh, prototype test. So they went up in flames. And they don't have the government contract. So you would think that would be like a devastating blow to the company, but it isn't. They're actually just like, oh, we'll just buy our competitor. Like, that doesn't happen. You know what I mean? Like, the, yeah, that, like that's.
0: Uh, yeah, you're seeing this play out. And, and granted, this is when this is being recorded, but you're seeing this with the Twitter whole situation with Elon Musk. Yeah. Like, like.
1: Yeah, I would imagine in this scenario, Norman Osborne would still have controlling voting share in his own company. Yeah, exactly. Well you couldn't force him out. Like you can't you wouldn't be able to just be like, all right, Bill Gates, you're out of Microsoft. Like, you know, like,
0: like if he'd done something publicly embarrassing, it would make more sense. But because he didn't do anything publicly embarrassing, th- it's there's
1: in fact you're gonna get the contract because Quest isn't. Exactly. Or unless they're just pulling the contract entirely, which case that wouldn't hurt Oscorp either. It's just it's just weird. God, By the it's... way, okay so, okay, so we're in Times Square, except this building is not real.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is all CG. Well,
1: no, this is like a set somewhere on the soundstage.
0: Yeah, the, the 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 well, I'm talking about the like the the white shots.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, like this building here with the balcony—that's this isn't real. But then the rest of everything around is. Except, obviously, they CG'd some of the signs because, you know, uh, contracts and product placements and things. Also, Macy Gray. (laughs) Yes. Very much dates this movie to a place in time.
0: Very much so. But she also had a song on the soundtrack. Like, to me, this is where you should have gotten Chad Kroger.
1: Well, I mean, she's singing the song that she has on the soundtrack. Yeah, I know.
0: But, like, come on. You couldn't have the... The dude from Saliva Jack Roger to place he- play hero. Come on.
1: I don't know. It's weird. By the way, um, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm remembering the toy lines for this movie. Because this movie was also a merchandising juggernaut. As we mentioned a few times, there's a singular wireless sign. Boy, that dates us. Uh, because <laughs> they had video games, they had the the tie-in comics, they had action figures. I I was that Mary Jane in this outfit was I believe the only Mary Jane figure in that toy line.
0: Yeah, what
1: a weird choice.
0: Also, they use that for the doll too. The doll version has the same dress.
1: Yeah, it, it's odd. It's a very odd choice. I could really go for a Centauri whiskey right now
0: sorry i accidentally hit pause on the movie so i'm a little behind
1: yeah whatever
0: <laughs> but yeah very clearly cgi'd green goblin
1: yeah good visual storytelling though that up oh, there stand uh good visual storytelling that peter you is not. Um, you
0: know yeah
1: peter is the only one not running away he, where he's like looking up and you see everyone turning around that's Really good uh, little hero shot symbolism stuff. there. Eh?
0: That actually was a direct reference to Superman 1. That's their... Oh, yeah. This, they,
1: uh, yeah.
0: I very distinctly remember them calling it the Superman pose. And they... That was a very special pumpkin bomb.
1: Yeah. It's weird, because... Oh, hold on, because you paused it, but you're a little bit ahead of me. Let me just... Uh, hit that 10-second skip. Okay, there you go. Uh, yeah. I don't. He has this like that super pumpkin bomb that just annihilated those guys, but he didn't use another one.
0: Come on, Billy, move, Billy.
1: Yeah, yeah, move it, kid. What are you doing?
0: Yeah, very much. All that is like you know, CGI.
1: <laughs> it's also funny to watch this if you remember. I I think it was a couple years after this where the uh the at the Thanksgiving Day parade. Uh, one of the balloons knocked over a light pole and it fell on some people. Nice. It, it's almost—I cool. don't remember exactly when that happened in relation to this movie, but it's very reminiscent right here.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I'll say. Oh God, that—that that CGI is
1: so bad. Yeah, it is. It because it, was- the lighting doesn't match. That—that's one thing that's thats just oh. improved over time.
0: The goblet ass memes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but this is also the scene where you see the purple twinge. Uh, especially on the top of the helmet.
1: Well, there's purple in his glider also, I forgot to mention. Yes. That was their attempt to do it, but I don't think that was enough. It's, it's The costume is a little too uh, green. People mockingly refer to it as his Power Rangers suit, and I don't think that's an unfair criticism.
0: No, it's not. I mean, it, I, it very much looks like a suit that came from the late 90s early 2000s yeah the armored element also kind of very much gives people the vibes of um the power rangers movie
1: yeah yeah i mean i could see this guy in a scene where he's talking to you know ivan ooze and uh Uh (laughs) goldar and he's like all right i'm on your side you, you know, know I—it's classic a uh, dummy shot coming up. By the way,
0: <laughs> the uh, dude, I it. Okay, I'm not gonna lie. It was not until like a year ago that I knew that that was even a thing. What? The dummy shot.
1: Oh my good lord! Really? Because I I noticed that in the theater. It's it's this shot right here where they're swinging and she's holding on to a uh, a dummy of Spider-Man who's conspicuously not moving. You can actually see underneath his eye lens there. That was weird.
0: Yeah, I forgot.
1: Like, ah, St. Patrick's Cathedral. At the time this movie was released, uh, my graduation was there about a month later.
0: Yeah, I uh, and then four years later, I actually sang there in the choir. Uh, when we uh, in, or no, three years later,
1: That's 2000- right. you me, oh, no, uh, two years later, because it was 2004, right.
0: Yeah, no, it was it was oh five. It was the school year of oh four oh five. Okay, because it was my junior year.
1: I just remember you uh, gave me the map that you had got of the subway from there, and it was a two thousand four map. Yes, yes. By the Uh, way, that that uh, that garden he dropped Mary Jane off in. uh, Mm -hmm. Good luck getting out of that. That's a private garden. You can't visit. (laughs) Right. (laughs) A lot of people think they can like visit that based on the movie, but they can't.
0: I want to buy you something. It'll make you feel better.
1: Classic rich guy uh, response to dealing with your problems.
0: Again, subtle, subtle little
1: smile. Mm-hmm. Of course, he knows what's up. By the way, uh, he's talking on a cell phone. You wouldn't hear the uh, the hang up sound. <laughs> oh, by if- the way, is that a thing that people know anymore? Like the sound of a phone hanging up. I guess, the, that's, I
0: guess so. The
1: future generations won't know it.
0: There's, there's a whole thing on like social media right now where you ask a kid pick up a fake phone you know we're going to do this and it, i have my thumb and my and my pinky out right doing kind of the hang loose sign
1: yeah but
0: kids are going to go like this how do they grip the phone
1: oh it, yeah they're going to hold it like they're holding a glass or something oh my god you're right
0: like they're holding a
1: slab oh my god good lord yeah, because the whole receiver, the fact that the like the, the base and the receiver of a telephone were different parts were <laughs> like, is it going to be a thing of the past?
0: I've drank a lot of Maker's Mark in my day.
1: I love it's a subtle little thing, but Harry picks up that habit in the second movie.
0: Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> By the way, a painting of, I guess that's Emily Osborne
0: back there. Oh, Ever noticed
1: that. I mean, there's a big painting of Norman that's like featured in this film.
0: Of course, yeah. Well, of course. I mean, it's Norman Osborne. He is the one that would have the hubris to paint himself or have himself painted. Uh, creepy masks.
1: Yep. That's... By the way, I, there was a, speaking of the toy lines, there was a good uh, toy of that chair with the goblin mask on it that you see later in the film where he's talking to himself. This is kind of the first time he does it. Yeah, there's this in the reflection you can see that's definitely Emily Osborne. Yes. Sitting in that same creepy chair I was just talking about. God, this is such a good scene. Yeah, this kind of acting is really hard to pull off, isn't it? And just from a technical perspective, shooting this in a way that doesn't reflect any of the crew in it and you let um, because Willem Dafoe is just playing off himself there. Really smartly executed. Now, this bit is right out of the comics, at least in later kind of 70s Norman, where he's has his personality.
0: Yeah, the amnesia, like the Norman post, the Romita Norman.
1: Yeah, like the Dicko Norman knew exactly what he was doing and it was just a it was the dickhead. But <laughs> Romita Norman had fits of, like, you know, the goblin taking over his personality. That's where this is very much from. There's actually a great story. Um, John Romita Jr. met with uh, Sam Raimi prior to this film, and he was going to offer his services as a storyboard artist. There's that short-haired actress again. Uh, he was offering his, his services as a uh, storyboard artist, and he walks into Sam Raimi's office, and all he sees are he has artwork of, like, Romita-era Amazing Spider-Man just tacked up all over the place. And he realized he he's, he told the story. He realized that then that he, yeah, they don't need storyboard artists for this movie. They already had my dad do it, basically. And right. Back and reading all the comics, and that's very much so in this movie and in the sequel. Lots of stuff just straight out of the comics. Yeah. And it's obvious Raimi grew up with the Ditko Romita stuff.
0: Absolutely.
1: Although there are influences of Ultimate and Gab Gabia or sorry. Gorbachev out. Then what's name in on that uh, newspaper there?
0: This was the scene where I first saw the moving of the mouth.
1: Yeah, you can see it straight through. Oh yeah, because I mean, look at that lighting. It's, it's. I don't know if that's if they wanted you to see that or not. It's hard to determine. I feel like we never should have seen this costume in this bright of lighting. Anyway. Agreed. It works a lot, but like in this scene that's like that looks spectacularly fake. Uh, in the scene that's coming up on the rooftop, it's lit so much better. Agreed. Like right here in this kind of dark. By the way, did he just carry Spider Man around all, all day until it was nighttime or something? What's going on here? But um, like this dark lighting is should have been the default to light the goblin. But half of this movie, you see him in the daytime.
0: This This scene was added very late because the whole concept of. Peter being his heir was something that was just now like at this point, like this was, this concept was less than a year old because uh, ASM 25 volume 225 had not come, had come out in the year 2000. Yeah. And so it was added very, very, very late in the process. I think.
1: I was mentioning the comic's inspirations. The bit where uh at the end in the climax where the uh Roosevelt Island rail car, uh, train car or, sorry, the sky car where the cable gets cut and he has to hold it to save the kids a lot. That. That's straight out of one of the uh reboot issues of made Spider Man. Right. I think that was the God, that was the um That was the last John Byrne issue.
0: That was it was inked by Ramita Senior too.
1: Yeah. That's the, that's the one. It was like ASM Volume 2, 18, something like that.
0: 17 or 18, yeah.
1: Yeah, 19. One of those numbers.
0: 17, because that was when uh, Ramita Jr., I think 18 was his first issue. Uh, when he jumped uh, over.
1: Uh, I thought there were a couple of fill ins, then he came uh, in at like 20. It was
0: Larson, That was right. That's right. Yeah. 18 was that 100 page monster where they did the Eric Larson stories. And-
1: yeah, there was a couple months buffer in there somewhere.
0: There's like four issues of Eric Larson, I think, before Romita took over.
1: Which, speaking oh, man, of... Green Goblin, Terrorized Bugle. Wanted. In spite of everything you've done for them, eventually they will hate you. Very much a, uh, a credo of the comics. Oh, boy. <laughs> Calm down, boy. We'll 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 have a couple things to say, but keep it. Try to keep it a uh, PG or something. Oh uh, yeah, I know. I love this line. I was in the neighborhood.
0: <laughs> it's cute. It's like
1: it's, it's, it's just it, stalkerish enough to make you raise your eyebrow, but it's cute.
0: Yeah, but it's delivered to where it's and cute.
1: Where he says, "Sky's limit up to." Thank you. Up to seven dollars and eighty-four cents. We've all been there, haven't we? It's hard (laughs) to it's hard to woo a lady on a you know a nine to five paycheck.
0: Don't even get me started. I I, I'm working sixty eight hours this
1: week. Oh my god.
0: And I'll be Ubering this weekend.
1: So you know. Yeah. Well, I know the struggle, man. she is totally playing him right now of course and she knows this sort of of repartee is what makes the relationship in the movie work right because again a lot like him and uncle ben you don't get a ton of it because i mean it's it's hard to think about this now this movie is just uh, like pretty much two hours flat Yes. Which for yeah. like in modern times it's hard to find a superhero movie that's under like two and a half hours. Yeah. Just, and, th- and this is has to manage to get his origin into the movie and all that. So yeah, there's a lot of a lot of elements that have to be by the way, okay. So I mentioned red letter media. See that roadrunner looking thing that's on the wall there under the light? Yeah. That's the tattoo from uh, Raising Arizona, I think. Nice. It's weird, <laughs> slightly redesigned, but whatever. So these thugs here, um, yeah, that movie is about to go in a really dark direction because I mean, like, we're we're not touching on, but that was like a he stopping a rape from happening, basically. Yes. And this is considering how generally light and soft this movie is, that's really dark territory to go into. That's very highway classic goof. Those windows just broke. In this shot, they're fixed. Did you notice? <laughs> yeah. There's a trap door somewhere in that wall there that let them do their Every
0: boy at this point became a man.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: because poor Kirsten Dunst.
1: I know. It, it, well, her, her nipples come out to play. <laughs> grape smuggling. Uh, no, I remember seeing this on like a like a big like uh, almost IMAX screen and it was a uh, yeah her nips were bigger than my head <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna lie this was in, this was in the trailers and it was on spider.com Yeah the-
1: I, I remember that shot in the trailer and I turned my head sideways. It was there for half of a second. I was like Whoop.
0: But the poor girl I mean the amount of rain they dumped on her. And, and the thing well, is I mean,
1: this- it's not just poor girl it's going up his nose in this shot.
0: I was gonna say like like I was about to say the this is the most iconic moment of the movie.
1: It's the most iconic moment of the trilogy.
0: And let's face it, we've all tried to replicate it with our girlfriends. (laughs) Um, But yes, I mean, she's literally giving him mouth to mouth in this scene.
1: (laughs) And the thing was, nice uh, nice pervy down the blouse camera angle there, Remy.
0: But I, the thing is, is that I'm pretty sure she was also wearing a bra.
1: That's how cold, like well, that. I mean, it was that. Yeah, that's it soaking wet. But you know, all yeah. right, let's move on from that. So we don't have to get. This- <laughs> I mean, but you know, we gotta. We
0: had to have to talk about it. I mean, of on.
1: course we did. Hey, at least I didn't ask the question, which was. <laughs> oh, oh, oh! Uh. I, I, I'll put it in the chat window. <laughs> Well, this, I mean, this is just classic stuff. Like, gotta rescue people from a burning building. Which is a weird, um, it's, it's like, (laughs) it it gets almost a callback in the second movie where he doesn't have his powers and he tries to rescue people from a burning building in that film. I don't know if it was intentional to do it that way or not, but... (laughs) (laughs)
0: so yeah no like burning baby you know great thing i love this Mm -hmm. very you know very much child (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: now this bit here this whole thing about him being arrested by this is the only movie of this trilogy where he's at odds with the police right because basically, at the end of the movie and onward, he's beloved by New Yorkers and there's no distrust anywhere. And uh, I, I, I don't know how I feel about that. Because obviously the whole gimmick where people don't know Spider-Man's on the level is very much a part of the comics. Yeah. But I feel I, like I, the movie <laughs> makes it work. It, it, it's, it also is important to remember the context of the time period this movie came out in. Very much so. This is, like, as somebody who lived in New York at this time, I can tell you, this is very much the most upbeat and positive New York ever has been or ever will be again. <laughs> did, did, like, did. People did, were all, like, on the same side, like, together after 9-11. And it's just...
0: Yeah, and we'll talk about that, I think, when we get to the end, when we wrap up, but, like.
1: Yeah, I, I, I this is just goofy.
0: This, this scene is very campy. Yes.
1: And it's weird, because the movie generally isn't campy, except in the scenes where Green Goblin's on screen. Yes. This movie has a reputation for being super corny and campy, but
0: I... I, I don't see it until like we get more of the, like, the Norman stuff.
1: By the way, this is the kind of thing I'm talking about. Look at how beefy this like stuntman is. Right. I have a hard time believing that that's Tobey Maguire in that suit. <laughs> Even right. though I know he's in good shape when he made this movie, but like,
0: but no, like, like I would believe it more in two than in one because he had bulked up quite a bit between one and two.
1: Uh yes and no, actually, because he he had actually dropped a lot of weight between movies. Uh, right to do Seabiscuit, and uh, infamously he had hurt his back making that movie, and they almost had to replace him for the sec for the sequel. Dude, can you imagine if they had, had had to recast Spider-Man in the second like movie of the franchise? That would be so odd. Work was murder. <laughs> That's a line that I still use to this day. Like my sister and I use that as a running gag. Like that that and what was it? Uh two weeks, in two weeks we'll have lost the contract to quest. Like we, we two weeks is something we always say like that too. Uh, Norman is very much meme fuel in this film. And his creepy pervert face that he's making there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. Like, he is, like, straight, like.
1: Yeah, I mean, she's noticed at this point. Yes. But yeah, like, he's definitely, like, checking her out. No, don't leave them alone. Okay, yeah. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like at this point, at the, see, I like the Willem um, yeah. Defoe's performance here because now you can. It, it's like he's in goblin mode, but he's dressed like Norman. Yes, and the way he's acting is so completely different. It's
0: is it, it, it very much is a subtle but profound difference. It's like he hears the drop of blood.
1: So it looked like a drop of tomato paste just fell off the ceiling. Yeah, that's some thick blood. Holy smokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there there's some classic off screen teleportation happening to make this scene work, but I'm okay with it. Yeah. It's not nearly as egregious as it is in most Batman movies. I, uh, this is such a minor thing, but I had Thanksgiving dinner with Kimberly's family this past year, and I had obviously never had Thanksgiving dinner with them, so I they asked me if I had anything in particular I wanted to request, and I guess they don't eat cranberry jelly cranberries in their Thanksgiving, so I specifically asked for it, and I, of course, I had to reference this film by picking up the can and saying, I had to beat an old lady off the stick to get these cranberries, and they all just looked at me cross-eyed. <laughs> oh boo well, I mean this this it's because of
0: this scene that this is now canonically a Thanksgiving day like nope. this would be playing 24 hours just like a Christmas story if I have to suffer through a Christmas story every Christmas people should have to not suffer through um, Spider-Man playing continuously on the loop
1: well, well I mean I, I I this past year I watched this on Thanksgiving I think or Thanksgiving weekend. No, no, you got to have a better uh, uh, rotation of Christmas movies like Batman returns. Exactly. Uh, uh, Die hard. Uh, Die, hard 2. Die hard two is also a Christmas movie, but no one ever talks about that
0: one. Iron man three.
1: Iron man three. Yeah.
0: You can consider no way home a Christmas movie. Cause it kind of parts of it take place. Christmas Hawkeye the series takes place during Christmas I
1: mean for crying out loud uh, HBO Max literally considers every Harry Potter movie a Christmas movie so I think we can get away with that right
0: to me Lord of the Rings is kind of a Christmas movie because it always came out on Christmas
1: well yeah because like I, I had referenced earlier um, these this movie these movies are contemporaneous to the Lord of the Rings movies because Fellowship of the Ring came out December before this right this was the number one movie of 2002, which is notable because Two tower, or Two Towers came out that year.
0: Yep. Two Towers is number two. Yep. Ch-
1: more ways than one. Funny thing is that Spider-Man 2 did not win the box office the year it came out.
0: No, Return of the King did.
1: No, Shrek 2 did. What? That was 2004. Uh, there was no Lord of the Return that's... of the King came out in 2003.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's Jeffrey Katzenberg was laughing all the way to the bank. I did, it did. It wasn't until like the last several years that I've watched Shrek, and I realized how big of a F you it was to Disney. <laughs> like
1: also, those movies don't hold up well. Like, all. oh, oh doesn't, Shrek, doesn't Shrek two have a reference to the upside down kiss in it? Yes. Oh. Huh. Oh, this was the this is the uh, action figure set I was talking about. Yes. So it's Norman in this outfit, and then the chair with that. And uh, if you press down the seat of the chair, it says some of the lines in this. Although oddly, one of them is uh, "Can Spider-Man come out to play?" which is from a later scene. Right. See, like I, what I would have paid to be on the set when he's shooting this. Because right. Just- The physical action is silly, like he's crawling towards the thing, but like it's a really intense scene. The camera push-ins help that. Continuity error here. Oh, you mean him being a Yankee fan? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, uh, as Queen's residents and this established in the comics, they're very much Mets fans. See, like, Green Goblin should have always been lit like this. He looks scary coming in that way.
0: He looks terrifying. Finish that. We. we have made this reference so many times.
1: See, like, this is really cheesy. But yeah. to a general audience, it's also kind of scary. Right. To to be in a position where you're that vulnerable, those horrible yellow eyes. I know it's not a reference to it, but those horrible yellow eyes always reminds me of the pilot of a uh, spider-man the animated series right where the guy is yelling about those oh, eyes they're after me with when when the lizard with them mm-hmm.
0: yep we uh, did a similar commentary on night of the lizard
1: lots of little moments here where, where Toby McGuire just has to act as a facial expressions that bit where he was outside the door just kind of the realization hitting him like Okay, the Green Goblin came after my aunt, but that means that does he know that I'm spider? Like, you know, like you can see the gear is turning, and not quite there yet. Right. This is a very uh, nice looking hospital room for New York City.
0: <laughs> As someone who's had to be in one of those.
1: Oh, quite a few times. There, There's no hospital room that has a single bed in it, just for space reasons. Unless right. you're in the Contagious Diseases ward or something.
0: This has always been cute. Like how May... Mm-hmm,
1: before she wakes up and she's... Yeah. I should probably mention this because now I'm, you know, because I'm going to comment on the... Sorry, sorry 2020s. I'm going to comment on a woman's appearance now. Um... I thought Kirsten Dunst was really pretty in this scene because yeah. of the lighting and the, all that. Like, it, it's this very here's Mae paying to, let, let me paying attention. Let me let this apply. Lots of warm colors and pretty lighting in this scene, which helps. But yeah, um, in this film, she's wearing a wig and they dyed her roots to match, I think, or something like that. Yeah. In Spider Man 2, she just dyed her hair, but boy, does it not work in that movie because <laughs> it's more of an orange than a red.
0: It's not red at all. Like, like. this is
1: a, this is a good dark, deep red color for Mary Jane's hair. Yeah, and of, and of course it helps that she's wearing a green shirt, which is if anyone knows color theory, that's complementary colors, which makes the red and the green both pop out more.
0: Right. That's why you see a lot of redheads wear green.
1: Yeah, she almost looks kind of. She even has a green uh thing in her hair. Uh, but in the second movie, because of the hair and the fact that she's. I don't want to just say it, but she looks unusually thin in that film. It, mm-hmm. it, it, it contributes to the idea that Mary Jane just sort of looks sickly. I don't, I don't, know. It's odd.
0: It was almost as if she was trying to portray the proportions of
1: Mary Jane. I don't, like I mean, that doesn't make sense though. Cause she kind of did it in this movie.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's, it, she's very, but like
1: it, it, I don't know. What I'm saying though, I don't know. Yeah, I know what you're saying.
0: You know, Kirsten Dunst has always been very, and I'm not saying this to be sexist, she's very top-heavy. And so, you know, when she loses an amount of weight and she doesn't lose the weight in her lung area, um, it's very noticeable, if that makes sense, like what you're
1: saying. By the way, speaking of noticeable... It's only something I only notice in HD with these super close ups that Tobey Maguire has a U shaped scar on his cheek there. Mm -hmm. It's almost like uh, it's hard to look away from, but it's just, it's part of that thing about um, why he's so perfect in this role is that he has a very imperfect looking face. Yeah. He does does come across as somebody who would just be an everyman, which which is a fear with the casting. Like when Andrew Garfield got cast as Spider Man, I know this came up a lot, was that he's too um classically handsome looking. Right. I don't agree with that. I thought he actually looked far too old for the character when he got cast, but you know.
0: he would have looked fine if it was set in the college years.
1: Yeah, he looked old for high school age Peter. But the point is like Holland still looks like he's twelve. Yeah. Which really doesn't work when he's, you know, Nathan Drake in an uncharted movie, for example.
0: Yeah, but apparently that's a uh That was uh, a soapy decision, yeah. Yeah. Well, that was because he wanted to be James Bond. And they're like, well, can you do Nathan Drake instead, basically?
1: By the way, I love that uh, Harry never says anything in that scene when he walks in. Everything's just, again, played by facial expressions. I wonder wonder if they wrote dialogue, because that shot went on for quite a while. It almost looked like um, Toby was reacting to dialogue, but there wasn't any. Either way, if that was an editing choice, it was a good one.
0: Right. He looks very young here, though.
1: Oh, he, I was going to say he looks very much like James Dean, but then I remember he was in a TV movie where he played James Dean mm-hmm. that came out the year before this movie did. Yeah. Yeah, he does look very... Um, uh, Franco aged like milk in between the second and third movies, I think. Agreed. He, uh, let's just say he was living hard uh, off of his Spider-Man money and it aged him very quickly. But <laughs> in this movie and in the second one, he looks very young because he would have been. I'm
0: pretty sure he did Pineapple Express like between the second and third one, too.
1: Uh, if it wasn't, it was right around the time of the third one. Maybe a year or two after. See, like, um, James Franco is a good example of this, where if he... he I'm sure he did a good audition to be Spider-Man, but he is too handsome to be to be Peter Parker, at least in this
0: regard. But he's handsome enough to be, to be Harry.
1: Yeah, the idea that ha- somebody who's rich and handsome and has everything that Harry has, but he can't get the girl that he wants, very much plays into the character.
0: And this is the scene where you can kind of see where they kind of look like father and son, and it's because of the
1: lighting. And again, I keep bringing this up, because... This is an example of how when a movie's written well, you're using the amount of like um, time code real estate, so to speak, very well. Where how many scenes have we had where it's just Harry and Norman? I mean it's pretty much just that one, right?
0: That's the only one with just Harry and Norman because like the well, you that scene.
1: Yeah, but it does everything you need it to. Mm-hmm. You're yeah, not Superman, you know. Uh, I love this interaction too. they this movie has so many great character moments in it. It's not nearly as much Spider-Man as as reputation would have it, but that works.
0: Right, and and, and, the the, not Superman, you know, was also in every trailer.
1: Yes. See, like, this scene gets so much done where it gets across all the relationship drama and then but it also is the the light going off in his head that lets him realize everyone knows you know, that's important for him to realize wait a second mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah and and the, and the wide look the... the the
1: this movie is so compactly written like this this is like um,
0: it's so well paced. Yeah. You know, um, to me, like there's been times where even certain Marvel movies have not been well paced. Most of them are
1: too long though.
0: Most of them yeah. like, like
1: in game. I think that needed to be as long as it was, but they yeah. made some, it, uh, we can argue about the actual storytelling choices made in that, but like this movie pared down is very, very simple. Right. Is it's a romance coupled with a guy with two people facing off over, you know, like whatever the goblin's motivation is here at this point. We, I mean, God only knows, <laughs> right? Like, right, right. At some point, it's just it's beyond revenge. He got revenge on the Oscorp guys already. You know what I mean? But it, it just becomes the madness of the character. But it, it even so, the movie is not distracting you with too much plot happening. Mm-hmm. You can follow all of this and you understand the stakes immediately. So, which bridge is this? This is the this is the uh, 59th Street Queensboro Bridge, which is notable because how many freaking times did they get the names of the bridges wrong in the comics? This is true. They called the Brooklyn Bridge the Queensboro Bridge in in the uh, the original uh, was it uh, amazing 121. Oh no, they called it the George Washington Bridge. I'm sorry. There's another. I think it's Ultimate Spider-Man where they mistakenly refer to the Queensboro Bridge as the Brooklyn Bridge, or it's it's a mess. A lot of people don't realize this, but that whole um, that shot looks dodgy. Uh, That whole like rail, or I keep calling it a rail car. It's not. It's a fucking sky car. The sky car there is actually real. Um, There's an island in between Manhattan and Queens called Roosevelt Island. And it's, it's you see it on the side of the tram car there. It says Roosevelt Island. Um, it's pretty much one of the only ways to get onto Roosevelt Island. It's, it's odd. Like, you have to go through. It's in an odd place. So if you're in Manhattan, you can take the, or on the Queenside, side, you can take that um, little tram car there. If you just want to get onto the island without having to take, like, a subway or something like that. So I don't know why those kids would be there this late at night, but the idea that, like, say that a bunch of kids were visiting Roosevelt Island on the school trip and then they would be coming back across the rail car—that makes like logical sense. And yeah, this scene is not the Mary Jane part, the sadistic choice, but the the Green Goblin holding the uh, cable for the rail car. Damn it, I did it again for the cable car and threatening Spider-Man with it is from that last John Byrne issue on Amazing. See, See, but this is great because um, this is a problem in the escalation of superhero movies where they've gotten overly complicated with their end setup for the last fights and things. This is simple and any audience can understand the stakes here. Now, yeah, that's some some goofy stuff right there. The gobble just running up. Ah! Now, there's a story that um, is around. I don't know the validity of the truth of this, but the ending scenes of this had to be recut a little bit because it was originally targeting an R rating for two reasons one is the peril to the children here and the other one is the brutality of his fight with the green goblin but it's hard to say it's it doesn't really come across as being all that violent especially by comparison to where superhero movies would eventually go
0: this is city tv
1: your news music and movie station please stand by technical difficulties are temporary Now this is this is a controversial bit where, okay, so the New Yorkers are all rallying to save Spider-Man here. That line: "You mess with one of us, you mess with all of us." By the the classic, uh, Mets-hatted fellow there. Um, I don't know what to take of, that, what to make of that as far as like when that would have been added into the script, but in a post nine eleven New York, that works. Um for the time period this movie was released, and even a few you know, two or three years later it wouldn't. But here it works. And yeah, this whole bit here, um, this is actually a real place. It is like an abandoned mental hospital, I believe. That's on like off of um one of the small islands there. Um obviously this is a set that recreates that, but this is actually a real-world location.
0: Misery, misery,
1: misery friendship. In my face. <laughs> yeah, you know what, in hindsight, looking back at this, this is pretty tough stuff to look at with the the blood spew and all that, but again, our rating though, I don't think so. It, uh, it almost calls to mind later interactions in the comics, like in the, uh, the fight between he and the Green Goblin in Marvel Knights, I believe. But that would have been after this, I think. And yeah, this is just like a, a pretty visceral. So <laughs> aside from the Jean-Claude Van Damme kick he just pulled off there, this is pretty visceral stuff. And again, as far as like a playing to a general audience, these stakes are these are these are easy to understand. It's good stuff. Nowadays, when when these movies just have overly complicated setups, with I, I think of something like Thor: The Dark World, where they're teleporting everywhere and there's like too much happening, you lose sight of just simple human things like this. And yeah, um, I don't know how else you're supposed to interpret that. Mary Jane and I will have a hell of a time other than some kind of weird rape threat. That's, yeah. But the idea that that's what prompts Spider Man to beat his ass is, of course, perfect.
0: All right.
2: Oh, you're
0: right. Hi. I hate Xfinity.
1: <laughs> I just had a lot of good stuff about the, the, the ratings board and all that about the fact that this movie was apparently going to get an R rating because of how rough this fight is. They have to recut around it and all that.
0: Right. Okay, so where are you at now?
1: Uh, I am at uh, 148, pretty much on the dot. He's, Spider-Man has just defeated the Green Goblin, and he's appealing to him, taking his mask off.
0: Okay, so for those that are listening to the audio version, in the middle of the broad, uh, of our broadcast, my internet died. Like, just, it, my, I, I have <clears throat> Comcast. And um, it died. Just died. Like, went offline, no reason at all. Just had a dip, because it's 9 o'clock at night. Ugh.
1: Now this whole bit here where Norman is appealing to him this is so good because it, it's it's playing off the dual personality thing. As an audience you can almost buy it for a second until he yes. summons the glider and then it just becomes Amazing Spider-Man 122. Yes. And of course the mistake he made here was using the word father father and son and all mm-hmm. that.
0: Again, the the subtlety of of, I remember this toy
1: You're you're, you're garbled up. You might just want to switch to audio. And so do the proud men die, crucified, not on a cross of gold, but on a stake of Humbleton
2: well
1: Zach has gone off into transformer land good double exposure now this bit of uh, Peter protecting the goblin's identity by removing his costume um, I, sli- I I don't remember the aftermath of him dying in the comics as clearly. If I remember right, it was Harry that took the costume off of him, right? Like he was hidden in the shadows. Yes. Okay.
0: Yes, that was that was him hiding in the shadows. Also, the best one of the best scenes in the entire film: the the funeral scene, the second funeral scene.
1: Yes. I remember the. Um, this was in a time where score soundtracks were starting to become less common. Mm-hmm. But the, um, the kind of pop music, the From and Inspired by a soundtrack that was for this film, had a couple of bits of the Danny Elfman soundtrack on it. And I believe the whole. Um, the underscore to this scene, once the music kicked back in, is on that soundtrack. So it's on both versions of the Spider-Man soundtrack. I bl- I listened to that a million times back then.
0: Such a great scene of, of Harry, you know, confidently walking down.
1: Mm-hmm. He's a different character now than he was before the all this happened.
0: The the symmetry of of you know, the beginning of the movie, him narrating and here
1: yeah and again i um i wonder if that would have been a through line from the early drafts of this because obviously the monologuing is is a staple of the comics right it doesn't carry into any of the other movies it so it makes it feel like an artifact like it, it was i don't know
0: now where would the cemetery be
1: uh, well, for one thing, it's not legal in New York to bury people on Manhattan Island, so I'm assuming this is in Queens somewhere. It could also, um, you know, what? Actually, take that back. It might be uh, um, Morningwood Cemetery. I don't, I don't know. I don't know where this is supposed to be, but considering um, Norman's wealth, I'm surprised he doesn't have a private mausoleum somewhere. Right. It's odd that, that, that a guy as rich as Norman Osborne would just be in a cemetery. It's pretty mm-hmm. it's to say nothing of the same cemetery that Ben Parker is in, who was a poor man in Queens. Yeah. See, this is this is rough if you're watching it. Um knowing that like shortly thereafter he's gonna reject her. Mm-hmm. I think you and I are both in the situation our lives where we put ourselves out there in the, pursuit mm-hmm. of, in the pursuit of romance and it just it just goes south. Right. You can be exceptionally vulnerable with somebody and they still turn you down. Exactly. Although in Peter's uh, case it was out of altruism and the desire to protect her. Mm-hmm. Although in the moment he seems to be enjoying himself.
0: <laughs> All right.
1: immediately you know something is wrong you see it in her face see I don't like the voice over there in that little spot they put it I felt like his face said that yeah you didn't need to have him say that Mm -hmm. but again if you're going to bookend front and back of the film with the narration I don't know I feel like I could if I was the editor here I would have been going back and forth on whether to take that out. Right. Oh, he said the F word.
0: <laughs> Only a friend, Peter Parker. That 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 that's a little awkward. I'm
1: not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've had a version of this exact conversation, except that I was Mary Jane.
2: Hmm.
1: I, now, I, I even got hit with the F word. I'm like, oh boy.
0: I always thought when she did the whole hand to yeah. the mouth, turning around. She
1: knows he's Spider-Man. Yes. I've I think, always I, thought. That, that was that. the implication, right? It has to be. But then the sequel I've, doesn't go with that. But, it, it, because in the sequel, she still kind of thinks that that's true, but she doubts right. herself because she she tested it on John Jameson with the upside down kiss and all that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, I always took that as I'm um, Spider Man. That's iconic. Um, I always took that as being she knows it's him. Yes, but I don't know.
0: Uh, yeah, and this is this is the moment. For a lot of people, you know, the, the you know, the jumping on the flagpole, swinging out and the, the what is just pure gold.
1: And uh, if it looks different, there's a key reason. It was the only spider cam shot in the movie. They had invented a camera rig kind of system called the spider cam. Right. And they use it extensively in the second movie, which is why it's one of the reasons why the second one is such a, a step up like visually to this movie.
2: And it was
1: inventing new technology. Yeah, you know, I, I remember getting into debates about this with people where uh, to me the only merit of the amazing Spider-Man movies is their visual effects. And I don't even, I, and I I remember getting an argument with somebody over this. I said I can't even give those movies credit for that because they had three movies of Sam Raimi doing R and D for them, and 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 uh, I mean that that's that's unfair. Uh, there are more merits to those movies than that, especially in hindsight. I don't think they're good movies, but they are elements of them that work. But i this very much set a a pattern for? I mean, we're sitting here 20 years later, still talking about this movie. More importantly, 20 years later, this is still um, this is the movie that made those other ones possible, in a lot of ways. Yeah, you know, I, this was the first like blockbuster superhero movie that of like you know the post kind of uh, Batman and Robin age where people thought that superhero movies were dead.
0: Really, I mean, it, there's there's a trifecta, there's Blade, that proved that comic book movies can be t- somewhat serious and adult.
1: Which is amazing, then, considering it came out the year after Batman and Robin.
0: Right, and then the the 2000 X-Men film, this, this Bryan Sting film, I think was the first, but it said, give me just a second, I'm going to cut the door real quick.
1: You also sound like a robot. So
0: <laughs> I'm hearing a conversation in the other room. I didn't want to get to pick up on the mic.
1: Well, now uh, one of you sound better, so you can make your point.
0: So, my point, um, that I made when No Way Home came out, I view No Way Home and this film in a very similar manner in that they are they were a perfect storm you can talk about um a lot of things but the nation the american people's mood in may of 02 was that of fear yeah the first summer where we're in the post 9 11 world we don't know what's going to happen but there was also a lot of unease and i think this film tapped into a zeitgeist that has only been matched by no way home zeitgeist because with no way home there's a lot of fear a lot of uh, you know uncertainty in a lot of pla- a lot of especially the major cities because of the coronavirus pandemic and I think people were just ready to go back to normal and I kind of feel the same it was the same way with this and obviously you know Toby is obviously in that film too and so and and, and Willem Uh,
1: Dafoe. Technically that's a spoiler you should just go around slinging that around.
0: (laughs) Well I mean but at this point it's been thrown around Uh, so
1: at this point there's like you know it's part of the advertising now Yeah, (laughs) I mean, yeah,
0: if you didn't know, Toby was in No Way Home, you were the only one. (laughs) The Internet told you a year before. Um, But but uh,
1: You're you're onto something there, because I mentioned while while you were having your Internet issues and missing the the key climax of the film, uh, you missed the bit where the, uh, you know, if you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us, and they're throwing junk at the Green Goblin to stop him from attacking Spider-Man that fit the sentiment of the time it wouldn't work in a movie now and it wouldn't have worked in a movie before that
0: no it, it very much is a is a snapshot of and obviously that was added very eleventh hour i mean let's let's be real um you know there there is the scene at ground zero th- during the montage scene um but you know and obviously the tr- the towers were removed i mean there was a whole going to be a whole um scene with involving well, the
1: tower. well maybe maybe not the, the history has gone back and forth on that cuz right. there's a quote from Raimi where he said it was intended to be but it's it's shot so differently from the rest of the movie it looks second unit to me like it doesn't look like it's actually part of the film
0: Right, and, and then of course the infamous Clint Powers poster um, that is very hard, originals are very hard to find, you can find prints of it, but all of them were obviously removed for obvious reasons, uh, uh, to not be a, you know, again, you lived in New York during 9-11, you lived in, in New York during this movie, you grew up a New Yorker. You're, you know, in college. The other thing that I'll say about this movie, the fact that we moved on to college in this film.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, it was part of the fun debates about like, oh, well, yeah, Andrew Garfield doesn't look too old to be a high schooler. Toby Maguire sure did. First of all, no, he didn't. And secondly, Toby Maguire was in high school for half of the movie. <laughs> you yep. know, like, it's not really all that relevant to the conversation.
0: I mean, the le- I mean he was a high schooler for... You know, about what
1: was it? It's runtime. I don't know. Something like
0: that. It's runtime. And then in the comics, he was the only high schooler for like
1: 28 issues, I believe.
0: 28 issues. I mean, so, so of the Lee Ramita run.
1: Oh, no, no. Ramita never was there when he was in high school.
0: Exactly. But, but, but when you combine the two runs together, uh, of the Stan Lee run, he's only in the first third.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, He's in high school. P- Peter has, has been in high school more in hindsight than he ever was in the original run. Like there are more flashback issues of him in high school than there are like actual like contemporaneous issues of him in Absolutely. high school. I
0: mean, there's a whole series of Ultimate Spider-Man too. I mean, I mean, it, it's crazy to me how people who tend to focus on the high school era, and I I'll like say the, that a was- film.
1: Do what. I, I don't understand why that's a fascination because it's never, it's never been part of the formula. Spider-Man it, spent so much more of his time as a college student than he ever did as a high school student. So why the rush to always be high school adaptations? I, I hate it.
0: I, I think that's also one of the reasons that so many people were excited about the end of, of the, of, the hol- of, of Noah Hill because he essentially is graduating.
1: Yeah, well, we uh, got that and amazing Spider-Man too. We saw it well that way. Right,
0: right, but like, you, you know what I mean, like, like.
1: But yeah, uh, but, but I feel like the we're past our expiration date on that MCU version of Spider-Man moving on already. Because how many goddamn movies he's been? He's been in more movies than uh, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield were combined.
0: I mean, really? I mean, you, you that, there was five films, and he's been in now five films. So there's now been 10. Here's the crazy part, folks. There's been 10 Spider-Man movies since well, this came out.
1: I, I feel like I gotta, I gotta shake you. Cause I know Brian Cocker's going to give us going to give a shit. If you don't mention the 77 series, Technically, <laughs> had a couple episodes edited together as movies. Yes. There, there, you go, there you go, Brian. I mentioned it. Don't, don't, don't hate me. Bro.
0: Don't, don't at me, Brian. Um, good friend of the show, Brian. Um, he, there's been 10 live action theatrical releases in the United States, <laughs> two of which were Avengers movies, obviously it's so team of movies,
1: but uh, oh my God. You, you apparently forgot Spider-Man was in captain America civil war. So there you go. There are more Holland Spider-Man movies than other ones.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause technically he was in, which may Outside of No Way Home may have been his best appearance was his first. Um, Mainly because uh, to me, the Russo brothers, I felt like handled him better than John Watts. Though John Watts redeemed himself in this last film. I I don't
1: know. I don't know. We shouldn't be sitting here trying to debate the merits of the Holland Spider-Man at the end of our Tobey Maguire Spider-Man commentary.
0: I will say this the things that work with this is that one, New York has a character in the film.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: New York is it's intrinsically New York.
1: I mean, I, yeah. I tried to pepper in like, you know, like the story about how I puked in front of that McDonald's. That was <laughs> where it was. The point is like, right. there, there's a tactile element to this movie to me that like, I've been, I I've walked in those streets. And and like, you know what I mean? Like I I could Mm -hmm. feel it in the movie. It's a little too glossy in Hollywood. Like you have a layer removed from it, but it's there. Well, and
0: and that's, I'll say this. They did nail the aesthetic. I feel like in the, in the web films more, it's a little more grungy. So to speak.
1: Oh God, no, I completely disagree with that. Oh yeah. Maybe,
0: maybe I'm thinking about it in the first one and less in the second. Now, I'll say this. I've watched every Spider Man film in the theater except for Into the Spider Verse, and don't come at me. It just was a weird time in my life, and I just didn't get a chance to see it. And I regret it, but, uh, you know, I'll go see the sequel in the theater and everything. I, I own it. I own, a, I own a digital copy. I don't own the physical copy yet, but I will own the, uh, the, the physical copy soon. But, but, yeah. So, if you want to check out more here on the Spidey Radio Network, George, you want do you want to like echo any comments that I'd I've, I've made?
1: Uh, I, I not Yeah. No. I pretty much said what I, what I said. I, I like this movie's special. Go watch it. And yeah, try, absolutely. And try to and try to have a better appreciation for it. Don't look at it with modern cynical eyes. Try to place yourself in the time.
0: Absolutely. I, you know, I, I I think that that's something that's that. far too often everybody looks at it through 2020 vision 2022 vision, you know Um, and it shouldn't be it should be looked at it in the 2002 lenses because it's very much a snapshot but also timeless um, of the period. Uh, So with that we'll begin to wrap this episode up of a special edition of Spidey to Experience. I'm Zach, Joyner, your friendly neighborhood host. Be sure to check out all of our other shows here on the Spidey Radio Network. I'm not going to list them all because literally we got seven shows between our legacy shows and our new shows and our affiliated shows such as the Salvi Sema podcast. Um, be sure to, uh, I'll, I'll highlight a couple of them though. Um, Voices from the Area, a Gargoyles podcast again uh, comes out uh, once or twice a month and so be check out check out that as well as new our newest show the sabi Sema era podcast hosted by chris uh Dimond, where he covers all of the uh sabi related spectacular spider-man comics from beginning with the conway run all the way through to the beginning of the clone saga of course clone saga chronicles where you have this guy gerard de la tour as well as spectacular radio so guys check out all of our stuff it's all up on spidey com. Be sure to check it out, and we will see you guys next time here on The Spider-Dude Experience, which, by the time this comes out, uh, will be into Season 3. Uh, the, I guess, Wells Era? We haven't come up with a catchy name yet. All right, we'll see you guys next time here on The Spider-Dude Experience.